Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yada folks, welcome into the show. It is uh, three minutes after 9am, as you've probably already detected. My name is not Ian Smith. I am Daniel McCarty filling in for Smithy today. But all the regular features along the way here on SENZ, including hearing from you. The text machine has been rather busy. The Tampa Bedpost text machine, double eight, double three. Keep your messages rolling in. We'll give you a chance, we hope, later um, to hear your voice too on 0800 150811 as we reflect on the sporting weekend and I'm sure right at the top of your thinking is uh, another sorry display by the All Blacks going down to South Africa. 26 points to 10 to make it three losses in a row. Backs really against the wall as they head high to the high vault at Johannesburg at uh, the famous Cathedral of uh, South African Rugby. That is uh, Alice Park. We will talk some rugby very shortly with Gamble Burns uh, from uh, Rugby News. Uh, looking forward to welcoming him into the show, the editor. As far as uh, other things, we have uh, got requests and all going well. We're going to go inside the White Ferns camp, uh, camp and hopefully catch up maybe with one of their senior players. They have successfully won uh, bronze at the Commonwealth Games, beating England, and convincingly so, picking themselves up after that disappointing display in the semi-finals. Congratulations to them, adding to New Zealand's huge medal haul, which is approaching 50 medals overall. Still not our best games overall as far as total medals counted. Uh, that's 1990, of course, but record as far as goals. 19 with a little asterisk, I might say, with maybe a, a, a triathlon protest still to come. Uh, uh, that is uh, in our sights as well. After 10 o'clock, we'll hear from some of the uh, key uh, participants from a New Zealand perspective uh, overnight to get their re- reflections and thoughts on ha- having secured medals uh, very late on in the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. In the 10 o'clock hour, as per usual, the panel, this will be a juicy one, Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman lining up all things from uh, the All Blacks performance, the Warriors slump in the NRL after going down heavily 48-10 to the Rabbitohs and the Com Games uh, too. Um, we'll have Stump with Smithy along the way, and after 11 o'clock, we'll dig a little bit deeper as far as the NRL is concerned. Uh, not only just that Warriors performance over the weekend, uh, but also um, how the top eight is shaping up, and all the big uh, talking points, um, including weak, gutted dogs. Uh, yes, Ricky Stewart uh, rather pointed uh, comments after uh, an ugly incident on the field. Uh, Andrew Voss is uh, going to join us after 11 o'clock. No better man, of course, to talk uh, the in. RL with, so looking forward to catching up with Vossi around about uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll follow that with uh, Stump with Smithy.
with Daniel McCarty in the chair, you're definitely likely to win, I would think. Logan is here, so fear not. Things will roll on. Good morning to you. Good morning to everyone. Six and a half minutes after nine o'clock. Christie swings it away for Moanga. Oh, danger there. Then it's been dropped by Frizzell. And try scored. But ultimately, it's the thing that's hurt them all day that hurt them in the finish. The aggressive line speed. And when they've needed to, they can't quite make those passes stick or work. Andre Pollard to put a full stop on this game, which he does. Springboks too good on the day. And they get the victory by 26 points to 10. Felt probably our most improved performance this year. I thought some areas we, we really um, shifted our game forward. But in a game probably dominated by defence, we, um, we we defended well. But, you know, our timing was out a little bit in terms of the attack side. And we're just going to have to go and have a look at that. Um, a few players over here for the first time feeling the pressure that comes from playing this type of team and but uh, pretty excited about about the next challenge Alice Park and, and playing for a trophy. That is the voice of All Blacks coach Ian Foster speaking at the press conference after a 26 points to 10 loss to South Africa in the first of two tests against the Mighty Box in South Africa. Not going New Zealand's way. The call with Grant Nisbet and uh, Justin Marshall prior to that from Sky Sport. Interesting there, the most improved performance of the year. Doubling down, uh, what, mere minutes after telling Sky that it was the best performance of the year. Uh, I probably forgive the most improved. They didn't improve between Test 1 and 2 against Ireland. They went further backwards in the third test. So you could argue he is kind of right, especially with things like the defence, how they dealt with them more. But overall are well off the pace, which is alarming to say the least. Luckily here on SCNZ, we've got a man who can uh, offer some very interesting insights and uh, ideas as to what is going wrong and can this be turned around inside seven days in South Africa. We are delighted to welcome into the program the Rugby News Editor, Mr. Campbell Burns. Campbell, great to speak to you again. How are you doing on this Monday? Very good morning to you, uh, Daniel. I'm not too bad. I'm probably in better shape than uh, than Ian Foster and, and most of the All Blacks. Yeah. Right. Let's reflect on the game. Campbell, I, I thought from the opening scrum, South Africa asserted their dominance and nothing changed after. What say you? Uh, correct. Correct. Yes. No, it was um, It was funny because when Foster said it was the best performance of the year, I don't think it was even the second best performance of the year because there was still hope in those Irish, uh, the second and third Irish tests that we would come back in some form and we did in Wellington with three good tries. But Really, there was nothing. There looked to be nothing to offer, particularly on attack against the Springboks. Uh, they did nothing out of the ordinary. They uh, their set piece was good. They smashed us at the breakdown. They uh, they brought line speed, and in return, we just brought very little. Um, all, all we did really was tackle well. I mean, they tackled their, their butts off, but uh, the All Blacks just looked clueless on attack. Um, and really, there was um, you know we're, we're seeing more unforced errors. Uh, we've seen skill execution under pressure um, fall apart. Um, so really, it was, I mean, 2016 looks comprehensive enough, but it probably could have even been more if it wasn't for their defence. I want to start off with the micro, how we started test matches. This is four test matches in a row. New Zealand have conceded a very early try. And starting a test positively has become a real issue for this team. It's a combination of set-piece issues, which we saw against South Africa, 
they concede a penalty. Great field position. South Africa are able to start on the front foot. Uh, poor kicking options from New Zealand have, um, you know, read its head in yep. the start of these test matches. Some very soft defence. Uh, they, they fall behind far too often. This is this is more than alarming. Four tests in a row has me screaming, what's going on as far as preparation? Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, you'd, you'd have to put it down to that, and I'm not sure what's going on mentally with them uh, and that they're starting so badly, particularly when you know exactly what you know, what your opponents are going to bring. Uh, so we knew the, uh, the the box would go to the high ball. We didn't cope with that. We knew they would attack us at the scrum, but really with... You're going to play a tight head prop like Angus Salval, who's then going to concede three scrum penalties. You, you, you actually know what you're getting. Uh, so, so I mean, you have to say some of the selections are poor, but as for their start, um, I don't know. It's it's just, just a bizarre thing why when they've talked about it every single test for the for the last four and they've started badly. Uh, it came right in Auckland, but uh, not, not in the last three tests. Hey, Cam, we'll just pick up that point on some of the selections. When I look at that side, I, I look, oh, there's a few questions in, in the type five, uh, the loose four trio, the halves combination, the midfield and the back three. Other than that, it's hunky-dory. But I, I'm struck, <laughs> I'm at a, at a bit of a loss. Like, who's a dead cert who needs to come into the side? Do, do we really have the talent? Well, uh, uh, yeah, well that's, the, that's the point. But I think there, there are several areas where they've got to do things different. So, tight head prop, uh, they've got to take a punt. They've got to bring Fletcher Newell in, a 22-year-old rookie to play his first test because he's the best scrummaging tight head they've got over there. Then at number six, I think Shannon Prezel has to come in, uh, although he dropped a, a ball which wasn't entirely his fault for that late try. He's the sort of muscular presence you need at six. Uh, if you're going to, I mean, really, if we look at it, it's Ian Foster's last stand. On that basis, it's Sam Kane's last stand. And then if, if, if things pan out as we think they will, then the whole uh, structure of the loose forward trail will change. But I think Frizzell has to come in for this weekend. Then at 12, they've got to do something different there. Now, if Geordie Barrett's fit, and it looks as though he probably won't be, you've probably... Uh, look, I, I, I mean, I would even think of playing him there. But if he's not if he's not fit, then at 12, you've got to bring um, something a bit different in, whether that's Quinn Tupai or Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. Uh, they really have to sort of throw the... Uh, you know, uh, uh, roll the dice a bit more and make some bold um, uh, bold calls because if they pick basically the same side, then we're going to get exactly the same result. I mean, that's uh, and not only that, the same performance. So that they do, and, and as far as the back three, it's a curious one because I think Will Jordan's best position is fullback. I mean, he didn't touch the ball until the 42nd minute uh, yesterday, which yeah. was bizarre. Um, and, and he's your yeah, best attacking weapon, but I think he's I think he's better at fullback. Um, but on, on, on that basis, you say, well, Caleb Clark would stay on one wing. Do they bring Seve Reese in? But then that brings into question his work under the high ball. So they've, um, you know, they've uh, painted themselves into a bit of a corner. But there must be some uh, some bold calls made and uh, for selection because, I mean, if, if this is indeed Ian Foster's last stand, then they've got to do something. Yeah. Um... Here's my big warning for next weekend. You're not only going to the high value, you're not only going to Joburg, you're not only going to Alice Park, but you're surely going to get a better South African effort. I thought they were brilliant defensively. The swarming defence, magnificent. It has been talked about at nauseam. But I thought their catch-pass game sort of uh, got worse as the game went on. They're going to be better, aren't they, Campbell? You think so? Uh, although, of course, they uh, they were probably disrupted with that first-minute injury to uh, to Fafta Clerk, and that may have disrupted things with their... With their attacking flow, I mean, Andre Pollard's a very good player, but he's not necessarily someone who's going to um, ignite a backline. Um, but then, but then again, they, you know, uh, uh, they certainly didn't need that. 
they just had to win the battle up front and kick well, and that was going to be enough. Um, so, you know, I mean, the Springboks could, could definitely get better, um, but it's a question of how much the All Blacks can get better with their, with their personnel. Uh, you'd like to think so. Everyone was hoping and praying, but we've seen nothing to suggest they've improved at all. And normally All Black sides uh, uh, at this time of year in August are fizzing. They play, they play their best rugby in the rugby championship, and that's been quite the opposite on this occasion. Cam, mm. but when you look at that attack... Uh, and it, all the critics around New Zealand are not defilling with the, ru- the, the rush defence. It's easier to deal with um, when you're not playing against it <laughs> in our minds. So what could they do to, you know, augment some space uh, to, to find a way to sort of nullify the effects of the South African rush defence? Because I, I don't think you're going to get around it for 80 minutes. You just need to, to be able right. to, to limit the impact of it. How can they do that? Well, that's right. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche, but the battle starts... Uh, up front and if they're losing the collisions as well as the set piece they're going to be in trouble that means their kicking game has to be has to be better whether that's kick pass or their uh, or, or their other tactical kicking which has been off uh, but the, 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 the thing is, is the All Blacks don't pass well on the back line they've got to get Richie Moonga in there because he passes better off, both, off either hand than Bowden Barrett um, so regardless of whether Bowden's fit Richie needs to come in and whether they need to adjust their depth a bit um, particularly off um, uh, well, particularly off, off first phase ball, but they've got to start working the blinds, just coming up with some moves. We haven't seen a decent all black backline move uh, probably since Eden Park. I mean, they they haven't their, their strike moves. I mean, they just they had one I think that uh, came off quite well, where I think uh, Adi Savia flicked the ball inside. I can't remember who it was. It might have been uh, Jordan or, or, or Caleb Clark actually made a break from that. But that's been about the only strike move we've seen. So they're, they're clueless on attack. They're passing on the shoulder or behind, as we saw with Kane with that last pass, and and it's just it's just bizarre. Some of the that they haven't improved at all in this area. Rico Iwani, for all the strides he's made at centre, is, is no Joe Stanley just yet. Um, and but they they don't have any further options. They're really Jack Goodhue's back here, uh, and still injured. So that they haven't worked out how they're going to get at from ten and twelve create space outside. Um, and until they do that, there's going to be problems. But Richie Moonga has to come into the side at 10. Uh, this is a guy who carved up. He just played brilliantly in the Super Rugby final, and he's had four bench appearances. He's come off the bench. The All Blacks are getting beaten up front, and he hasn't been able to make the impact. Um, whereas Bowden hasn't made any impact at all, really, for, for, for probably six weeks. Well, if they're going to keep uh, Yuani in midfield, you've got to find a way to bring him in a little bit narrower, right? Uh, almost running in the se- the second man outside first five. Yeah, they've got to make some serious changes. And ball carriers have got to be so um, so efficient. They've got to really stamp their mark on the game. Whoever's at 6, at 8, and 12, they need huge games, don't they, Campbell? We've got to go forward before we go wide. It seems we're going the other way around. Well, that's right. And, of course, it goes to show you um, the value of someone like Anonu, whom you could build a whole game plan around yeah. with his carrying. He would always make the game on, and even Leo Mapi who's just come off a, uh, an average season with Stade Francais, and, and, and you can only imagine Lau Marpi would have been would have offered that to go for, whether it's on the one-two cut, breaking on the outside, second-phase play, it doesn't matter. These guys, you can actually build something. With David Harvili, who works so well with the Crusaders, it's almost like they're expecting him to be a, a great second playmaker, but if the forwards aren't on the front foot, he can't really do much. And if Bowden Barrett's not giving him uh, giving him the ball in front of in, in front to do something, he's limited, and we know he's not going to be a, a non type character. 
this is where second five is a very difficult position, and if you get the wrong man in it, it can affect the whole the whole game plan. Um, now, Quintu Pyre can be more direct in that regard, so maybe he's the man, or maybe Tui Vasashek, who's a bit different uh, with his dancing feet. Um, but again, he's you know he, he's his his effectiveness is going to be nullified unless you've got the right man at ten. So that they all go together these uh, these combinations. But I know one thing that as far as creating space, the Irish did it so simply and so clinically. Yeah. And, and, and the Springboks didn't even need to create space because they just thought, we'll, we'll do this, we'll, we'll rumble up, up on the forwards, we'll kick well to, um, you know, to, to, to space, and uh, we'll put the All Blacks under pressure that way. That was a different kind of pressure. We didn't handle that. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's all very well tackling your ass off for, you know, for, for 80 minutes, but you, if you offer nothing on attack, um, then you're always going to come second. We, at, at times, lose sight of the opposition. Um, you know, when you reflect on that game, what impressed you about South Africa's performance? Oh, just that they, that, uh, after losing Fuster Clerk, I mean, they just stayed stayed composed. Um, you know, even though they weren't necessarily cohesive in the back line, they just kept to their game plan. They knew that if they played this game plan, they would definitely beat the All Blacks because, you know, we saw 12 months ago, the All Blacks had issues under the high ball, but... It's incredible. It's so simple. It's a very simple game, rugby. And if you know your opposition can't handle it, then you'll keep doing it. Um, and so I think one of the impressive things as well was the um, was it the breakdown where Peter Steph Dutori and Thea Colletti uh, made real nuisances of themselves. Jasper Visa played very well at number eight. And yet, and yet we've got two two fetches. We've got two open sides in our team in Savia and Kane. So so why did we lose the breakdown battle? I mean, Artie played his heart out. Sam Kane made his tackles, but where is that? Are they just getting swamped there? Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, see, this is the this is the bizarre thing. We, we we used to win that breakdown battle, and you had someone like a hooker like Malcolm Marks just getting right in there and winning several turnovers. Um, I mean, we didn't get Samasoni Taukiaho. Is a he was probably one of the best forwards. Um, he played very well, quite dynamic with ball in hand. But again, he's a um, you know compare that to Malcolm Marks, who who was just winning turnovers and actually getting uh, getting South Africa on the front foot. And so we they had three or four turnover merchants, um, and we were struggling to win one. Campbell, this is not an easy question. It's probably not a fair question. Uh, what happens this coming weekend, and then what happens in the um, you know hours, days, and couple of weeks leading up to a test match against Argentina? Funnily enough, in Christchurch on the twenty seventh of August. I think you know what I'm referring to here. Yeah, well, see, that's only not, that's only nineteen days away, um, and a lot can happen yeah. in that time. Uh, I, much as I'd love to see the All Blacks improve, um, and I think they will certainly make some changes. It's hard to see uh, the result going any other way, and on that basis. It would have to be uh, Foster's last stand. Um, I mean, and, and on what basis? I mean, what if the All Blacks grind it out and, and score a one-point win? Is that enough for him to keep his job? I mean, we don't know. Uh, he, he appears to be a dead man walking. Uh, but you have to say that he's got Mark Robinson over there, apparently, uh, uh, keeping an eye on things. But does that mean by the time he flies back to New Zealand on Monday, he's um, he's gone from his job and Scott Robertson's in? That could well be the case. But... Um, given there was a three-week gap between the July series and the start of the rugby championship where they could have done something then, they've then put themselves in a very tight time frame. So if anyone's come in, they would have to have had preliminary conversations with them to say, if this happens Saturday, if the All Blacks lose, you're in. So if that man's razor, I presume he knows. He's not just going to get the phone call on Sunday night saying, you know, can you, can you organise a training camp on 
Thursday. Um, so the whole thing has been a bit of a PR disaster. But and and in the background, yeah, everyone's sort of hoping the All Blacks will win. Well, that's clearly not going to happen. So yeah, you look at um, you look at South Africa mind, when they yeah. made a change after the Alistair Kurtzier regime. You might remember they made that change at the end of the season, allowing uh, Rusty yeah. Rasmus two full years leading up to World Cup, wasn't it? His first year results were at fifty percent win rate, and it wasn't until year two that Rusty Rasmus really turned South Africa around. I know they had player, you know, securing player issues. It's not like for like, but. Uh, it's a lot to ask uh, for, for any coach to come in and, um, you know, make significant changes uh, in the space of a couple of weeks, Gamble, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it certainly is. But, I mean, there will be personnel changes. I mean, I, I think they got some of the selections wrong right from the start in July. Um, and yet, if you look at Ian Foster's reign as a whole, I mean, I thought he had a pretty good year last year. They just slipped up barely in the last two tests because they, uh, I mean, I, I put that down to a lot of mental fatigue after about the longest All Blacks tour in nearly 50 years. But then... There was an expectation that they would deal with Ireland, um, maybe even only 2-1 victory, but they've gone backwards. And uh, there's nothing to suggest that they've even made um, the necessary improvements other than in their defensive line where Scott McLeod then has to take the, has to take the kudos. So, um, look, I think he's pretty much a dead man walking because as it stands, how, does the, how do the All Blacks suddenly play... 100% better than they've been doing and somehow uh, actually eke out a win, even if they make four or five changes in the starting 15. I mean, how can it be done this weekend? And if that, if he's been judged in the first five tests and it seems a bit bizarre that that was always the case, then, then that's it. Um, it's, his, it's his last stand. And as I said, um, if he goes, then it's impossible to think that Sam Kane will retain not only his place, in the, his, not only his captaincy, but his place in the side. That will then give the loose forward trio more um, more options and more balance to play someone like Dalton Papalii, uh, and and or to play Adi Savir at seven. Then you can bring in a Hoskins Sotutu, you can bring in a, a line-out um, muscular ball carrier. So all these questions are sort of bubbling away, but um, it's almost like a hope against hope that the All Blacks will somehow turn things around. But uh, even if they perform better, it's going to be a massive ask to, to try and win on Saturday. Well, I've taken out way too much of your time. We've gone past our lot of time, uh, Campbell. Didn't even get to the NPC, which has kicked off. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come, no doubt. Thanks so much, Good Campbell. One, Go enjoy your week. I will. Cheers, mate. That is uh, Campbell Burns. Dead man walking in Foster, according to Campbell Burns, amongst other things. We'll get your reactions maybe a little bit later. Keep your text messages rolling in on the temper uh, bedpost text machine, double eight to double three. But Campbell Burns, rugby news editor, joining us. 25 minutes after nine o'clock, back with plenty more after this. Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. No Smithy today, my name is Daniel McCarty, great to be with you, bang on 9.30, let's update some cricket, let's update some Commonwealth Games cricket, yes, semi-finals now into the medal matches and they are over and have been handed out and a bronze goes to Little Olds New Zealand, an excellent bowling display by New Zealand and Sophie Devine's Unbeaten half-century has led them to Commonwealth Games bronze, beating England uh, rather convincingly by eight wickets. Hayley Jensen finished with uh, three wickets, uh, three for 24. Devine picked up two. Uh, Fran Jonas picked up two as they limited England to just 110 for the loss of nine. Devine then struck 51, not out, to ease them to victory with 49 balls to spend. New Zealand really were on the uh, top from, what, the first ball of the second over when they got rid of Danny White. Uh, thanks to Hayley Jensen. Congratulations to our White Ferns. We'll try and track them down and speak to them at some stage. Whilst in the gold medal match, Australia gave another lesson in closing out games under pressure. 
uh, crushing India's dreams of clinching gold at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Uh, with India needing 44 off 30, with seven wickets in hand, Australia f- somehow found a way to win. In fact, India lost eight for 34, lost their last eight wickets for 34 runs to lose by nine runs. Australia making 161 for eight, India 152. Congratulations to that mighty Australian side. Another title for them, this time the Commonwealth Games title. It is uh, 29 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Coming up after the news with Aroha, we will open the lines and get your verdict on the All Blacks v South Africa on 0800 150 811. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800-150-811. But how about I turn my own microphone on, Logan? That would be helpful. That would be helpful if I want to communicate with our listeners. Yes, we have a Chemist Warehouse gift card for your $50 for our caller of the day. Let's rip into it. I just want to start off with the All Blacks in South Africa. I know it's a huge sporting weekend. There's lots going on. This is Open Line Talkback. If you've got something else you want to discuss, uh, I'm not going to say no. Uh, I'd be delighted, in fact, to, to welcome you on board. But uh, 0800 150 I, I, I'd like to highlight, despite losing 26 points to 10, the All Blacks coach described it as the best performance of the year. That comment, understandably, has a lot of fans and pundits... Um, I'll go with the word confused. That's being rather diplomatic. Are we watching something completely different? Let me give you my take on what I saw during the game, the best performance of the year, and then I would be thrilled if you could join me on 0800 150 and give your take. From the opening scrum of the match, the box asserted their dominance. That opening set-piece contest, which wasn't much of a contest, but the All Blacks sent backwards in a hurry. It saw the box gain good field position, from the penalty, and then stretched the New Zealand defence from side to side. They were on the front foot early. Once again, New Zealand sort of chasing to start a test match. The defensive line did hold, and that was a highlight, New Zealand's defence at times. But as the game uh, progressed, New Zealand were unable to deal with high kicks and some brilliant work from Lucanio Arm, especially sent the boxer winger Kurt Lee and Lorenzo over for the first try. Another try conceded early by the All Blacks. Another deficit to overcome. From then on, the box line speed matched the Studio 54 bathrooms, didn't it? New Zealand looked uh, uncomfortable with ball in hand, lateral shuffling passes, passing in traffic, turnover breakdown, handling errors as New Zealand struggled to get on the front foot. And when they did the likes of, say, uh, Malcolm Marks was there to destroy their work at the breakdown. One of New Zealand's best moments in that first half came via Bowden Barrett and a breakout from his own in-goal area, you might remember. But when your best move after 25 minutes is a raid from inside your in-goal area, it's not a great sign now, is it? It was a first half of tackling, penalties conceded, errors leading to turnovers, not a recipe for success. The effort was there, it's not the class. The second half, well, got a bit messy, a bit hectic to kick off. In that second half, the box hitting first. Another scrum penalty allowed Pollard to make it 13 points to three. And did anyone really think New Zealand could come back from just a 10-point deficit with 35 minutes to play? Uh, by this stage, Malcolm Marxism was spreading right across the field, wasn't it, at every breakdown. Uh, in his 50th cap, the final act uh, was him winning another penalty before he was subbed, receiving a huge ovation as he left the field, and rightly so. He was magnificent. What a unit he is. 
as the game hit the final quarter, New Zealand continued with some soft, sloppy play. Caught offside when the box of five metres out from their own goal line. Uh, another high kick not dealt with by the All Blacks and a wild pass from Rico Ioane gives the box position. A drop goal to Pollard follows. It's 16 points to three. From a restart, the All Blacks get caught offside. Line out infringement. Free kick conceded. It went on and on. The sort of death by a thousand cuts. Uh, when they did get some position and field position at the same time, which was rare, um, there was another error. Dane Coles knocks the ball on with 10 metres to go before the try line. The All Blacks looked like they would struggle to score 17 points in two tests, I thought. And the game looked over a long way out from full time, I'll reiterate. And here's a warning. Aside from the swarming defence, which was superb for long stretches, the box, I did not think, were great in that second half. A scrappy, error-ridden half. They were not sharp. They can get better. The catching uh, pass game especially for mine. But it seemed as if the box had 23 players out there tackling. Um, and a sign of how lost New Zealand looked on attack was reflected with a defensive bomb inside their own 20 when trading by some distance. It just summed up a rather unimaginative and under-pressure all-black attack. The lone bright spot in that second half was the Shannon Frizzell try after a sensational break by Caleb Clark and an equally impressive try-saving tackle from Willemse, but that was down to individual brilliance, wasn't it? But there would be no finishing the game on a high note. Uh, as the All Blacks overplayed in their own 22, and it led to one of those classic South African tries. You know, their frantic hunting defence forcing a turnover, and the box scoring on the siren. 26 points to 10 is how it reads. Best performance of the year, according to Ian Foster. Well, if that is the standard, New Zealand rugby's facing an Anis Horribus. That's the way I view it. 22 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Let's hear from you. Our lines are open. 0800 150 811. Am I being too much of a doom merchant there? Or were there signs of it being the best performance of the year? Here is your chance. Gee, the text line, the Temper Bedpost text line is lighting up. Let's get to those. Uh, I'll prioritise those who call through those. So if you want to get through, it's toll free. Lines are open. you get through right now. We'll go straight to you if you call in. Go on, be brave, be first. Uh, let's get to a couple of these messages. Hi, Daniel. Apart from Clark, all backs are playing out of position. The Lucys also are not in correct positions or best player in that position, writes uh, Tim in the 09. Uh, thank you very much, Tim. We're going to remove that one. This one from Mikey G. How you doing, Mikey G? Morning, Daniel. Black is white, up is down. All news is fake and the world is flat. And that was the AB's most improved performance of the year. Blimey! I don't even know what world we live in anymore. I am very confused. And... Uh, one here from an unnamed texter. Finley Christie must start. So much faster from the base than Aaron Smith. Aaron's kicking is aimless. Mawanga has to start as well. We will be back. Joe, you'll be first up after this break. It's 20 away from 10. Our lines are open. 0800-150-811. No Ian Smith today. It's quarter to 10, though. Uh, open line talkback normally at this time. We're just going to part that for a second. So, so apologies, Giz and others. Uh, sorry, it was Joe, I think, from Gizzy. Um, and others who had called him, we'll get back to you a little bit later because we have to now uh, change uh, act and catch up with a, a Commonwealth Games medalist. We're utterly delighted to welcome into the program after her sides as success in the bronze medal match at to the Commonwealth Games in the, the uh, women's uh, uh, cricket competition where New Zealand have beaten England by eight wickets, convincing win, winning with 49 balls to spare. England 110 for nine, New Zealand 111 for the loss of two. Uh, we can welcome in the skipper, is it? Sophie Devine joins us. Congratulations, Sophie. Thanks so much for dropping by and joining us not long after the game. 
Yeah, no, thanks for having us. It's obviously um, yeah, a pretty special occasion, and we're obviously enjoying the moment now as a team. I, I, I've just got visions. The, uh, the medal around your neck, sitting there proudly, does it feel good? Yeah, no, it certainly does. It's, it's been something that, as soon as we knew that the cricket was going to be in Commonwealth Games, it was something that we really wanted to pin our hopes on and we wanted to medal. And, and to be able to achieve that, to be able to stand up on that podium to the team and not just the players, but the whole squad, the whole support staff, um, it's pretty incredible to yeah, be able to reflect. And we'll certainly do that tonight as sit back and reflect on what we've been able to achieve over these last sort of 10 to 12 days. Gee, these games have been coming thick and fast. Not often do you go from a semi-final to a final in the space of 24 hours, essentially now, wasn't it? So, so how did you park that disappointment and actually focus on England? Yeah, look, I think it was actually probably to our benefit, having <laughs> next to no time to be able to get over it. I think it was less than 12 hours, actually, that we finished up the last ball of our semi-final against Australia, which, you know, really proud of the girls and the way that we managed to push them to the last over and then to back it up against a quality England side that obviously... To be honest, they gave us a bit of a toweling just a couple of days before. So for us, it was. It was about, I guess, dropping the result against Australia and moving on quickly. And to me, there wasn't much more motivation needed than a bronze medal. So just extremely proud of the way that this whole group has been able to back up and to be able to perform again against an England side that, you know, uh, has got quality all the way through. Did that hurt, losing to England in the way you did in group stage? Was that part of, of your team talk about getting one back? Um, well, not necessarily, I guess, revenge or anything like that. We knew that we were obviously well below par, and, and we also know that that can happen in cricket, so it was really important that we parked, that we took the learnings from it, and, and obviously to be able to come back and perform the way that we did today, we, we learnt from those mistakes, um, and we made some really smart adjustments, which I think shows the character of this group. It shows, um, you know, I think being at the helm has been outstanding, and we're starting to see some real strength and growth from a lot of players, especially those younger ones, I think. Fran Jonas, for me, has probably been one of the standouts that, uh, you know, she's come in, we've dropped her in the deep end, opening the bowling and the power play against some quality players. And the, the fact that she's been able to take wickets and, and be able to keep the economy rate nice and low, I think it's outstanding. And it, it really does bode well moving forward. Yeah, it was once again Jonas picking up two through wickets. Ailey Jensen's also had a very good tournament too with the new ball. They applied pressure, picked up early wickets. You're on top and you're able to really apply the screws. But it seems overall, when you look at this tournament, all the bowlers have bowled more than one over have picked up a wicket. That, that, that's quite telling, isn't it? No matter who you've thrown the ball to, they've been able to do a job for you. Yeah, they have. And, and Ben certainly brought in, you know, some guidance in that field, obviously, him having a pace bowling background. And I think, as you say, the Sims have done a great job, but also the spinners too. I think Mealy Kerr probably didn't get the wickets that she'd like, but she's been able to support those younger players, which is going to be really important. I think sometimes we all forget that Mealy's only, what, 21, 22 herself. Um, but to be able to lead that, that young spin bowling group, I think there's some real talent there. And as we've mentioned, Fran's been outstanding. But Eden Carson as well, I know she didn't get too many games, but she's shown a lot in the trainings and, and her ability to learn and grow um, on the fly has been outstanding. So I think that's that's some really positive things for us is that this group is so willing and just like changes. They're wanting to learn, they're wanting to grow, they're wanting to test themselves. And I think that's only going to push us forward as a group. So I'm really looking forward to... You know, I mean, it's exciting. We've got a, a World Cup T20 in South Africa early next year, which, you know, things are things are looking well. We know there's a lot of hard work that has to go into it. And other teams are going to be hurting from this, especially England. But, you know, it's fantastic for this group to, to have the success that we've had. Yeah, and you were you felt pretty good to see that through to the end yourself. Um, you know, batting all the way through, 111 for two, 50 DSW. 
would have been happy to, to be there at the finish line. Oh, yeah, I certainly had a bit between the teeth in terms of wanting to be there at the end. It was, um, you know, a really special occasion. I thought the way Susie started up, up top, she certainly took a lot of pressure off me. I was probably a little bit slow, but seeing the way that she attacked the England bowlers and put them on the back foot, and, and they made a lot of mistakes, which is really uncommon for them. So that probably just shows the pressure that we heaped on them early doors. And to break the back of the chase like that, like, you know, you'd back yourself to chase that, but they can be niggly little scores, you know, just under a runner a run a ball sort of thing. So to be able to break the back of it and, and get ahead of the game as early as we did, but then also to finish the game off only two down, I think, again, shows some real quality in the side. Millie Kerr, again, showing her age and, and skill there to be able to come in and finish the job off. And, you know, again, I thought it was a really dominant performance, which I think has probably um, seen a bit of a warning sign out to the rest of the teams in the, in the world. So what's the experience being like, being at a Commonwealth game? The Commonwealth game's medalist now. Probably hasn't sunk in. No, no, it actually hasn't. Um, even when we were up on the podium, I had Leah Tahuhu beside me. And, you know, we were sort of saying this doesn't seem real. Um, to be here and to have the, the medal around our necks was pretty special. Um, but it's been unbelievable. I think what the New Zealand team has created, the New Zealand Olympic Committee has created, is unreal. And, and I don't think I've seen it anywhere else in the village. Um, I guess the monarchy that they speak about, the culture, we certainly felt part of part of the team. And you're, you're so proud to be a it was to be fair, um, and to see other kids have such great success. I mean, it's been an incredible game for all of New Zealand. So to be able to share and to contribute with this team um, make it really special. And we certainly want to, you know, touch back to support sports from other athletes. It's just, yeah, it's really special. It's certainly something that we were really looking forward to. You know, being able to share this with a wider squad, not just our cricket. I guess our cricket bubble. Well, Sophie, thanks again uh, for making yourself available. Congratulations and good luck for the months ahead as you chase down Australia as they continue to set the standard. Congratulations on your medal. Awesome. Thanks a lot for your time. Sophie Devine joining us out of the White Ferns. Uh, they have uh, beaten England very convincingly in the bronze medal match. Congratulations to them, winning by um, um, length of the straight, really. Chasing down 111 inside 12 overs. 111 for two New Zealand with Devine, as you've just heard from, 51 off 40. Uh, Bates made 20, uh, Puma made 4, and Millie Kerr was 21, not out at the end. 111 for 2, New Zealand uh, winning bronze. Australia winning gold after they uh, held off uh, India. India um, succumbing to lots of Australian pressure. I think lost uh, 8 wickets for 34 runs as Australia win by 9 runs and claim uh, the first ever Commonwealth Games gold in women's cricket. Uh, thanks to Sophie Devine. Thanks to New Zealand Cricket for getting her... Um, on the airwaves here on SENZ. Uh, it's meant we've um, sort of uh, mixed things around, the joy of live uh, radio and all of that. We'll get back to, my Lord, it's like peak hour traffic when I look at the queue and the text line, Timber Bedpost text line. Lots of comments on the All Blacks. Uh, we'll continue uh, to pick over that. Hopefully uh, hear your voices too as far as uh, some talk. We've got uh, time. Uh, we'll reflect, though, uh, after this uh, very short break as we're coming up to the top of the hour and heading towards news with Aroha. After 10 o'clock, we'll reflect more on the Commonwealth Games, uh, not only the White Ferns um, beating England, but what the Black Sticks lose, the bronze medal match to India. Guess what? In a penalty shootout. Gee, New Zealand hockey and penalty shootouts um, don't go well. They don't go well together. Aaron Gate and Cycling do. He's won now four. A brilliant effort by him. We've also got mixed doubled squash gold. Uh, King and Cole, outstanding, has taken New Zealand to 19 goals with an asterisk, I will say. Uh, that is still to come. Uh, it's uh, six minutes 
away from uh, 10 o'clock news, fast approaching. Daniel McCarty in for Smithy today, uh, although um, having thrown to the news, the ad break before the news, uh, you probably want Smithy back, uh, fair to say. Well, Logan might. Luckily, Aroha is here with the news very shortly, and she knows what she is doing, uh, which is a great thing. Uh, one thing we will do straight after the news, uh, we're going to speak to you. We will open the lines on 0800 150 Monday morning. Uh, talk back. Should be a beaut today, right? Uh, if the text line is any indication. Uh, there are a lot of messages about the All Blacks. Uh, open line talk. You can set the agenda if you want. So I've thrown out uh, my two cents on what I saw in the supposed best performance of the year. I'd love to get your reaction to that. Our numbers are 0800 150 811. We'll prioritise all calls. If you call in, uh, we'll go straight to you rather than uh, reading out this um, swathe of text messages we do have. Right now at 10am, it's time for Aroha with the news here on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. I do like that ringtone. It's quite a throwback, isn't it? It's quite a throwback. Uh, it is time to hear from you, 0800 150 811. You can text 8833. I will prioritise calls, though. The best caller of the day wins our Chemist Warehouse voucher worth 50 bucks. Uh, we've already tried to start this one. Joe waited patiently through an ad break, and then Sophie Devine from the White Ferns was made available. Joe, I'm sure you will understand we had to take the New Zealand captain fresh off uh, winning a bronze medal, but I bow down to you for your patience, Joe. Thanks so much for joining us here on SNZ. Good morning. Mate, great, great news. The ladies got a, got a medal after their disastrous uh, home T20 World Cup. Absolutely fantastic. But uh, looking at the Blacks, eh, the, the issue that we've found in the last... Uh, five losses in the last six games is that we don't play same guys, same positions and we're not playing guys who are form players that we've picked. We're not giving them a chance in their rightful positions. You know, we, we, we're playing let's fit the right players that the coach wants into different positions we, you know, and, and we're going to keep struggling. Our centre pairings are struggling because they've got injuries. You know, we, we're definitely missing the mongrel uh, of Ethan Blackadder we miss Retallick, you know. But what we've got coming through are players who are not true locks, you know, sevens playing eight, eight playing seven or six, um, wings playing midfield, fullbacks, you know, wingers playing fullbacks. We're not actually got a cohesive unit. So what's happening is it's almost like every time we change and make changes for the sake of changes or the public pressure on the coaches see, right, we need to get rid of this guy because he had one bad game. The next week's combinations are not working. And we you know, and we see that in the skill set. I mean, the South Africa game on the weekend, we got out-muscled, but the score didn't reflect the game. It didn't. You know, the All Blacks' defence was outstanding, and then we gave mm-hmm. away a try in the last minute, which boosted it up. But we keep giving away stupid penalties out of ill-discipline and then we have to chase the game. The same with Ireland. Giving away ill-disciplined penalties, that 3, 6, 9, 12 points, and then, then we have to play catch-up rugby. You know, and, and what we're doing, we're never starting quickly. In any of our games, we seem to be no. asleep. And, and in, those last, in the first 10 minutes, it's just like, hey, we're 7-0 down, we're 10-0 down. And then we get back, we come back in that second 20, we seem to wake up, we seem to own that, we seem to get close at half-time, all of the Irish tests the same thing, 
and then we come out the sheds quiet, right? And then what's happening is we are missing players. Get that. But those players going there, 10 players never played in South Africa, it, it's daunting because of all the hype that's around it as well. And then the physicality is just, we are a step behind in the physicality. I was great to see this weekend. We didn't muck around with our stupid pod system, right? But they try to play like the league. They play, try to play the block game with the one out, with the sweeper coming around, throwing blind balls that went to ground. You know, and I just think we didn't have anybody who wanted to square up the back line and run like a Ma Nonu or a Quintu Pyre, you know, who just wanted to hit the line, set a target, hit the line, set a target. And, and we found out, you know, they are not invincible, those boys, right? But we had no opportunity because of all our errors and the huge pressure put on us at scrum and around the breakdown. It didn't look like we had a, we had a plan to commit any players to the breakdown of theirs, but then we were too slow when we had the ball, and we were just we were just a second too slow getting to the breakdown to clean out. And when you look at it, we got beat. You know, 26-10. It doesn't sound that bad. It probably could have been a little bit closer. But what we need to do is control our own errors and our own speed of the game, and we we can compete next week. Listen, that second half scrum. When they brought on Ethan De Groot and they brought on Colsey, right? We didn't get pumped in that second half in that scrum. But what you find is, is that South Africans have a mentality of go a hundred, and if you're empty the tank and you're gassed, come off. Like they pulled the prop in the 39th minute, and everyone's thinking there's one minute to half time. But he was out on his feet. But that was their plan, just go a hundred, and he owned that scrum in the first 39 minutes against the All Blacks. He was gassed. They bring on the next player. He goes 100, right? And if you're out of tank, put your hand up, and the next guy steps up. Whereas the All Blacks are making changes for the sake of using their bench, I think. And I just think away from the kicking game, away from the pods, we didn't want to mongrel up, and we didn't want to get in the dark places on the weekends. You okay, Joe? You've just gone five minutes without taking a breath. I bow down to you. I bow down to you. Oh, you mate, okay? You're okay? That was ec- excellent. It. Excellent stuff. But, but so it wasn't the best performance of the year. Or was it, Joe? I don't think it was the best performance of the year, like, like Fozzie said. He, he's got PRBS coming out, you know, to cover himself. Yes. That's like saying the Warriors had a great game against the, uh, against the Bunnies for 20 minutes and then got rolled by 40 points. You can't come out and say that. Factually, we lost. Factually, we had 14 errors of our own that gave them field position, that gave them line-out position, and also that gave them points. Now, we weren't that bad against the Irish, you know. When the Irish won the last game, they didn't put us away. We just didn't get there, and we didn't take our opportunities. This week, we had very few opportunities, but we didn't step forward with our defense. We didn't get to the ruck to clean guys out. And we just turn the ball over every single time. So this is not the best game I've seen this year from the All Blacks. The first game against the Irish, hey, we th- won. We made, a he- we made a heap of mistakes, and we won. Hey, good on you, Joe. Appreciate you joining us here on SCNZ and leading off. Thanks so much. Uh, Dean, is it? Good morning, Dean. I reckon if it's a vacancy in the black under hockey water team, that Joe's got to go in there, mate. He don't, he don't need to play hockey, but he can stay hold his breath for that period of time. <laughs> got, that was impressive, wasn't it, Dave? 
Oh, mate. <laughs> I didn't want to interject at all. I was like, let the man go. Let him go. Yeah, yeah, it's passion, mate. It's passion. It's what we're all about. But, I mean, I, I want to sort of take a breath. Like, honestly, Forster and Sam Kane have lost the dressing shed. They've lost it. They've had it lost. It's been gone for probably two years. And, I, I mean, I could say something on the radio, but I won't. But I know it's factual truth. And when a certain member of that team writes a book, which won't be that far away because he's getting to the end of his career, it'll come out then. And a decision was made that was absolutely terrible and there was no shit sorry, no phone call to say I changed my mind. But that is truth. And it's obvious that he's lost the dressing sheet. So let's not panic because thank God this has happened before the World Cup and Razor can come in and he'll be allowed to pick whoever he wants to pick. And it might be those players stay, but they'll turn it around overnight. Like the Crusaders aren't the All Blacks, but the majority of the Crusaders will be the All Blacks, just like Leinster are the Irish, with a couple of months to men. And they'll put the right people, Razor will put the right people in the right positions. Ryan will get that full pack going as good as it can possibly go. They, the Crusaders haven't had a mall try scored against them in six years. Every team's scoring mall tries. So there's not the panic that we all need to put in, but the bottom line is a few members of that team are not prepared to go to dark places for the simple fact they want it changed. And if they win these games, it's the same shit, different day, and they're not happy about it. So there's only one way they can do it, and that's what's happening. There's no way that all-black team is as bad. The selections are a joke plant all the players out of position that everyone rings the radio says the same thing. Akira was the invisible man. It was the 31st minute when his name was called and we're defending. There was no... So who's at six, Dean? Who needs to be at six? Is it Frizzell? Well, over there at the moment, I'm not... I don't know, mate. I just don't know. Like, I... I like... I like the boy Vaya. And you know what, Dean? You know what, Dean? This is what I think is most troubling. And and I said it to Campbell Burns last hour. When I look at the All Blacks, I think there's issues in the front row, the second row, the loose four trio, the halves, midfield, and the back three. Uh, Other than that, it's hunky-dory. But I'm at a loss as to who who will come in and remedy and fix it. See, I don't think think a change of coach, it's going to be slow, isn't it? No, no, they'll be all right. They'll I mean, okay. I just believe they'll be all right. It's not, it's not just passion either. I honestly believe they'll be all right. But what we're trying to find is a Jordan Tafur. And unfortunately, at the present time, we just don't have one. Artie will go to seven. Sam Kane's just... He couldn't... His job there, but someone's got to be the job to move Malcolm Mark. Poor wee Caleb Clark tried. And you know, Caleb's table's not small, but Malcolm Mark's huge. And he's grabbing him by one leg, and Malcolm Mark doesn't even know he's there. But he's trying it's to do the It's the best film of Marxism I've seen in a long time. That, that, was, that was some of oh, my favourite Marxism, that one. He was, he was an absolute unit. Hey, good to chat, team. We've got to get to some other calls and to a break very shortly. It's 14 minutes after 10 o'clock. Really do appreciate it. Our lines are open, 0800 150811, the Chemist Warehouse voucher for grabs for our best call of the day. Some high bars have been set. Um, especially Joe, who who apparently um, should be a free diver. He should be a free diver, I'm, I'm sure, with his ability to talk without taking a breath. Gee, uh, the text line, the Temper Bear Post text line, is uh, quite busy. Let's get to some of them. I won't get to them all, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, the, the message here is if you call, you'll get straight through. Um, but some of these messages, I don't think 
let me open it properly. I don't think I can really blame Havili when he receives the ball uh, when they're going backwards and he's got a line of players sprinting at him. They need to get rid of Kane and get a bigger ball runner. No go forward play from the forwards and definitely bring Fletcher Newell in so strong and a fit as into the 23. Uh, thank you very much, unnamed uh, messenger. We go to Trent, who writes, it started from the anthems and the haka. I do love it when fans analyse the anthems and haka as if they're, they're significant things. I, I tend not to. Maybe that maybe that's on me. Maybe that's a, a failing on me. But uh, Trent writes, it all started from the anthems and the haka. We look flat and lacking passion from the get-go. The anthem, everyone was just mumbling through it, and the haka didn't really get the... A uh, spine tingling like it used to. There seemed no fire in the eyes. It seemed like they were just there for the paycheck. I go to war for this country if I was in that jersey and put your body on the line for it from the start. South Africa showed more passion and energy towards the game. The crowd didn't help, but a hostile crowd should get you more fired up. And we showed no spark at all. There has been a decided lack of spark in the opening five, ten minutes of all of these games, which is hugely concerning how Quickly, they've been conceding uh, points and tries for sure. Um, and, and I would like to think, from my rather uneducated perspective, that a coach can have a bigger impact on the opening five minutes of a game than other than other parts, where it gets a little bit hectic and lost. I think, I think generally when you start a game, you try to, to get into your structure. You've practiced all week, but it just hasn't um, worked out. Um, I, I did ask you, am I all doom and gloom after my opinion piece last hour? Someone writes here, yes, doom and gloom you are, but maybe not wrong. Lack of basic skill. If you cannot pass and catch under pressure, then you should not be an all-black. There was nothing, not the feeling that we could pull out a win in a few, the last few minutes that we used to feel. We need a real fetcher, a leader that can instill composure on the field uh, if we are behind, a midfield that can create space and go forward. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that message. Maybe a couple more before we get to our break. It is uh, nearly 17 minutes after 10 uh, already. Uh, Tristan, I do like the length of some of our messages. People put a lot of thought into them. The concerning thing, thing for me with Ian Foster writes, Tristan this time, is he seems far too positive in his thinking after every test. Post uh, losses last season, it was COVID, the end of a long season. Uh, this season, thus far, it is the start of our campaign during the Irish series. Now it's the best performance of the year. I struggle to see the direction we are heading. Um, in short, it's coaches' talk, isn't it? And when coaches lose, they've they've got to find a ray of sunshine somewhere. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, um, you, you've gone from a student getting A's, eighty percent pluses, now to one who's failing miserably. It's quite a drop off as far as results. Uh, and the New Zealand rugby public uh, won't stand for it because we have high expectations, and these high expectations, I think, have helped elevate New Zealand rugby over the years for sure. So it's now up to them to, to find a way out of this. Uh, it is 17 minutes after 10 o'clock. Great to, to get your thoughts via text. But pick up the phone, 0800 We will be back with plenty more here on SNZ shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Twenty-two minutes after ten o'clock, time for the panel. You know, in Smith today. My name is Daniel McCarty. Got a couple of fine guns for hire here, and uh, they're fully locked and loaded, ready to roll. Got a fine uh, freelance sports journo's been around the beat a long time. Jamie Wall. Oh, mate, twice in three days, mate. I'm the luckiest man alive. How are you? <laughs> good, thanks, mate. Yeah, good to be talking with you again. Did you Did you fullback get to the game? He did. He enjoyed the shout-out on the radio as well. He was listening to it. Um, and um, uh, I have to say that was 100%. My, my prediction of what he was doing at that time was 100% accurate. 
That is fantastic. Uh, go check out the uh, Saturday session. Uh, me, uh, social media accounts to find out what Jamie Wall is talking about. That's all I'll say. Sam Ackerman joins us. Uh, great to, to speak to you again, Sam. Do we find you in fine form this Monday with our sporting cup of running over? Yeah, it's, uh, well, we feel a bit uh, pig and muck with things at the moment, don't we, Daniel? But I'm, I'm, I've been uh, making sure I pace myself over the uh, course of the weekend because there's you know, only so much disappointment a human can take at one, at one hit, can't they? So, yeah, it's, uh, put, it, put, it, put it this way, as a, uh, as a long-term league cover, you kind of, get, you, you kind of start to sense the omens of, of a weekend. So I, I, um, I definitely batted down the hatches before I strapped myself in. Yeah, uh, we'll have a good chat about the All Blacks after the 10.30 news. Um, Sam, you raised this, and I'm glad you did because I wanted to get it, uh, get to it at some stage. Uh, huge condolences I, I will send to, to David Leggett's family and friends. Uh, what a wonderful man he was. Uh, I didn't share the writer's room being in the commentary box, but I, I shared a lot of time with him, and I just, I just love talking to the bloke. He'll be sadly missed, won't he? A, a wonderful human being, and I think that you can, um, for anyone out there who aspires to get into sports journalism, I would suggest um, listening to the way that people speak of David Leggett uh, as a really good example of what you want to achieve out of your career. Because David Leggett was a, an excellent journalist. I used to literally um, pull the newspaper out of my old man's hand uh, and run down the hallway, sit down and rifle through to uh, his columns and his pieces because he's a, a, a wonderful storyteller. Um, uh, growing up, really admired him. And getting a chance to meet him was uh, and you know, work alongside as within the, uh, the confines of the media room was uh, special for me. And I know for a lot for my generation. And the thing about David Leggett that made him special is those who spoke to him respected him. Uh, those, you know, they knew that they were in for a, uh, uh, dealing with a journo and a good one, but not a, um, not somebody who was going for the, even back then, the clickbaity, the, 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 the build up, uh, and try to throw some under a bus journalism. He asked the questions that needed to be asked and he, he could tell, um, somebody's story beautifully. But he was also a guy who would uh, welcome people into a media environment. And I can tell you, coming through in the era that I did 20-odd years ago, that wasn't a guarantee. Uh, you often quite had, had to earn um, people's uh, respect. And that's, that's cool. That's what it is. Um, but what, what David Leggett gave was is he gave you that respect and it was yours to lose. He was kind to you straight, straight away when he came in. You know, g'day champ. Yeah, to everybody. Uh, and he was, uh, was always respectful and warm. And he set a tone uh, for everybody else to follow. So a wonderful journo who influenced a lot of people, um, but also just a thoroughly decent human being. And to be celebrated for that, it's, it's, it's worth noting that people can go for scoops, exclusives. Uh, it can be a cutthroat industry. But those aren't the people that are remembered in the long-term way fondly, someone like David Leggett will be. Jamie, anything you'd like to add on this? We all feel it. it's a very small community, the New Zealand sports um, sort of media community. It's a tight one, uh, and we feel it, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. It really does feel like um, the, 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 the industry's lost someone special. Uh, and it's just, I think, Sam just summed it up beautifully there. And, and I have to echo his thoughts. As someone who, who came into the industry, um, you know, virtually, you know, un- untested, and, and to, to have that uh, welcoming presence and to have people around, good people around you who, who believe in you uh, is so, so important um, when you're starting out there. And, uh, you know, while I didn't know David personally, um, the, the amount of, of love and, uh, and respect that's been shown to him in the wake of his passing uh, it really has been something. So, like I said, I, I think a really important figure of our industry and our community um, has, has, has been lost, and, uh, and he will be remembered. Yeah, rest in peace, Lego. Uh, he won't have to write a match report on another um, 
Blacksnick's uh, penalty shootout loss, which is um, one saving grace. <laughs> he loved his hockey, loved Commonwealth Games, loved Olympic Games. Uh, there's a real golden glow to these games for New Zealand, Sam. Um, before we go to uh, the news, now, how, how do you sum up the last nine, ten days of competition with all these gold medals rolling in? Thanks, you know, largely to one man, Mr. Mr. Gain. Yeah, and uh, listen, I have loved uh, that because listen, my, my view is that the, um, the the Commonwealth Games matter, but they're not important. I don't think there's many things that come out of Commonwealth Games that stick with New Zealand strongly and deeply, and the ones that will be spoken about from these Commonwealth Games will probably be the missed opportunities. We'll hear more about the Silver Ferns, uh, the men's and women's sevens teams having to deal with bronze, and was that good enough, and what needs to happen from there, then we will, about the success stories. And that's, you know, whether that's fair or otherwise, I just that's just kind of how it falls. Aaron Gate has been part of the New Zealand cycling team through all kinds of up and ups and downs for an extraordinary long time, over a decade at least. And I don't... Uh, he's always been one of those guys that every now and then it's like, oh, he's jagged a, um, an Olympic bronze. Oh, OK, he's done all race. He's won a, um, a national title. But... If you tell, told me, to, here's the team on paper of the cycling team, someone's work, walking away with four gold, hand on heart, I wouldn't have told you Aaron Gay. I just, he, he just seems like he's a contributor. To see him get a chance to star and to create that kind of history for everything he's been involved in, and he, he could have walked away from cycling at please 31 now, I believe, so he could have walked away at plenty of opportunities, but he's still there, he's still pulling on the fern, he's still prioritising that, and uh, here he is being able to um, taste it, success goals, we, Commonwealth Games, you can diminish it all you like. But to him, this will be a real defining um, week or so for him. And I'm, I'm really stoked to see a guy who has given so much uh, get so much back. So Aaron Gate's been wonderful. As far as the other results, look, we love seeing gold. Who doesn't, right? Um, and we're hearing this, you know, the record tally, and it's a congratulations to this team. I want to just go into bat, and this is a little bit nerdy. Um, sorry, uh, guys, but I want to go into bat for the 1990 team because while their, uh, their record gold tally is taken over, there was only 205 golds available at that event. Uh, yes. go, those games. There's 283 available this time, right? So it's not on apples with apples. And this team is nine, uh, nine oh, people percentage larger of population. than that team. Right? That type of num- so, like that type of, you're breaking down the numbers, percentage so, of population type thing. Brilliant. And thanks yeah, for, well, for, for I'm, sending me in the right I'm, direction. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, for, for us old buggers, I don't like to see the, uh, the, the, the blatant, you know, it's easy to find stats to put the, uh, the moderns as the great. I'm, I'm just saying, 1990 did pretty well with what they had to say. Oh, anything you'd like to add on the Com Games? Thanks, by the way, Sam, uh, sending me straight. Of course, it was Aaron Gates, Sam Gaze. I just love Sam Gaze. He wins medals and he throws the best birds going around. Uh, that's why I got uh, sidetracked there. But uh, for, for you, uh, Jamie, how do you sum up what you've seen in Birmingham? Well, I think that they've definitely hit the KPIs in terms of the amount of success that's been had. And like, like Sam said, it's always good to, good to see success. And, and you're right about how the Commonwealth Games are important because they offer a unique way for high-performance athletes doing individual sports uh, that have their world championships and their Olympic events. Um, just a, another way of getting in the spotlight and adding in another uh, KPI to their funding models. So that in itself is incredibly important to to some to sports like cycling because you can set a mark and you can say, well. We've we've hit all our targets for this this little quarter that we're doing, and now we can take that experience that's gained in in, in events like this uh, onto the next level. So, in that in that regard, it's very important. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, it's been like I said, it's been it's been very it's very interesting. I mean, for me, I, I have to say I've struggled with the time difference uh, on it um, a little bit, like uh, especially when you're trying to cover the All Blacks at the same time, because that's just been absolutely nuts in the last um, three weeks. But you know, it's known as the feel good games. It's definitely made a lot of people feel good. All right, fellas, you hold there. Our hard guns, Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman this week. This is the panel. It's bang on uh, half past ten. It is time to take a short detour. Head to Aroha and our newsroom. Stay with us here on SENZ, the latest in news, and before we get to part two of our panel. Part two, Jamie Wall, Sam Ackerman, thanks for your patience through the news. Thank you, Aroha. Right, let's uh, rip into it. I'm just watching the triple jump at the Commonwealth Games. How on earth do they do that? That is mightily impressive. And how on earth, Jamie Wall, was that the most improved slash best performance of the All Blacks in 2022? Uh, yeah, well, hmm. the the sad part about it is that he, there is a bit of truth to what he's saying. And, and that, that the uh, if you are going to um, look at all of the All Blacks tests across this year, then there was, there was actually some improvement um, in that game. So, you know, you can't accuse Foster of lying. Um, you can definitely yeah. accuse them of setting some pretty low standards. Uh, well, because... in fairness, Jamie, they didn't improve from test one to two, got worse test two to three. So, it, you know, the bar was pretty low to get over the, the improved. But, yeah. you know, my takeaway yeah, yeah, is but, but if I mean, that, if that think... is your standard, then it's going to be a very long year, isn't it? I, I think that I think that I, I have some sympathy from him trying to say that and trying to put a positive thing because, like, yeah, you know, having been around him a bit, he, he's a, he, he does like to try and put a positive on things, but I think right now it's just time for some honesty and just being able to sum up the mood of the public, which is this is not good enough. And I and I think that saying things like that straight after a, 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 the worst loss to the Springboks since 1928 uh, is, is is not the sign of a guy that really kind of has the the awareness of what's really happening back here and in, in people's living rooms and, and pubs and rugby clubs. You know, when people are talking about this team, because. Of course, it's going to get taken in the wrong context of what you're trying to say, and so I, I just it just boggles the mind because I'm like, well, who's advising this guy on what on what to say, you know? And 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 we saw with the press conference situation the other week, and and, and then the, the the media blackout uh, or the radio silence of following that. It's like, come on, you guys, like, who's who's being paid at that place to to make decisions about how you're communicating things? And it just it's just that lack of attention to detail, which is like, well. Okay, well, if they're missing tackles on the field, if they're giving away penalties, if they're starting poorly, you know, what's happening off the field? You know, you can't even organise a press conference. You can't, uh, you know, say the right things after a game. Um, you know, is, is it just this sort of level of incompetence is, is filtered out of the team and into the organisation itself? Or is, it, or is it perhaps gone the other way? Because that's, it, it's become more of, more of a story than just about the All Blacks. It's about the governing body itself yeah. and its inability to to manage, uh, you know, the sport that we that means so much uh, to all of us. And you know, we talked about a, a, this sort of thing on, on Saturday. So I don't want to repeat repeat myself too much, but but really, like it's it's this this could be a real watershed moment um, for yeah. for yeah. NZ Rugby and the way that they they operate and the division of um, uh, of the All Blacks themselves as a separate entity within the organisation and the power that they, they seem to be able to wield because it feels like that really needs to change. How far off the pace on the park, Sam, were they? What, what was the gulf in your eyes between the two sides? 
Uh, the, the Springboks are extraordinarily well drilled, um, and they are players who are very comfortable in what they are doing. They know what is expected of them. Hell, we know what's expected of them. We could sit there and, you know, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't call myself a, a guru of, uh, of, the, of the forwards, but I could probably sit there and sit down with each player and tell them what I expect their role of them to be in the eyes of the coach because it's very clear cut uh, and it's not it's not surprising. They're just damn good at it, Daniel. They're really good. The other mm-hmm. thing I think we need to potentially be prepared to talk about here, maybe this is as good as this current All Black side is. It needs to be discussed. Look, the, co- the coach comes under scrutiny uh, and certainly uh, the, the for a guy who uh, has taken virtually sole charge of a back line to score uh, one try at the death, which was thanks to one moment, a you know, piece of brilliance by Caleb Clark and some great, um, some great backing up there. But I'm, this is not a team that is playing on the field in a way that I go, do you know what, they're, they're missing... They're missing something. They just need something to gel. I'm watching and going, maybe this is just how they... This is what they're, right, they're at right now. This team, with the um, tactics are. around them, is, this is as good as they can be. And that's hard to accept because the All Blacks, who are they if they don't dominate the world? Who who are the All Blacks? That's their personality. Um, you know, we can always talk about the, you know, the World Cup failures in the past, but even during the years in between, they were still the All Blacks and this all-conquering and would occasionally lose a test type of side. We just might need to think that this team isn't as good as we want them or expect them to be, and that is a hard reality to face. Jamie, agree, disagree? Yeah. Oh, 100% agree. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up uh, most succinctly that they suck. And they need to be told that they suck. And they need to be told that this is unacceptable. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking that if Foster's coming out here after the game and, and saying things like that about how, you know, how he's happy about things and how it's an improved performance, that if he's not going in there and absolutely tearing strips off them after the afterwards which I don't think he is, then how are they going to get better? You know, how are they going to know that this, this is one of the worst periods in, in all black history? You know, how are they going to know that, that they're, letting, they're letting the jersey down, that they, that they love to tell us about when they talk about, you know, legacy and history and everything, that how, would, how, would they, how are they going to know that? And I think that, you know, when you see a guy like Sammy Whitelock put in a performance like he did again for the Crusaders in the final against the Blues, which is probably the best game he's played, you know, I, I think is probably for about four or five years. Um, and then he can't replicate that form in an All Black jersey uh, a few weeks later. How is that? How is that happening? Like, how is that possible? Um, how, why are they not starting the games properly? Why is it? Why did it take them 13 minutes to, um, to get their hands on the ball? And that's happened every single game this year. Every they've game. come out. They've, they've, they've come out and just let the other team just do whatever they want to them for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, and that just happened again. And then the Springboks, they don't need any more of an invitation to do that because they just they've gone to work. And Sam was 100 percent right. That they that the Springboks have specialists. They have guys who are there out there to do one specific job each. Marx's job was to just get over the get over the top of the ball and use his gigantic frame to turn the ball over, which is exactly what he did. He is a unit. And isn't I he? feel yes. And I and I feel I feel like I feel like the All Blacks are missing that that they they haven't been put and and this is why we have, keep having conversations about the midfield. We keep having conversations about the loose forwards, is because we're not developing specialist players that are there to do one specific thing each. And we used to be able to do that, and I'm not really sure why we can't do that right now. Yeah. 
I personally think there's issues at every single position in an All Black side, and that's that's alarming to me. Let's uh, swip, uh, whip on over to the NRL, the land of the weak gutted dog, uh, Sam Ackerman. Uh, would you like to talk about Ricky Stewart's comments or actually some action on the field? Oh, I'm keen for both. Ricky Stewart is um, the uh, antithesis of, of uh, Ian Foster. What Ian Foster is not is a dominant personality in the All Blacks coaching role, much like uh, the being um, you know, Prime Minister of New Zealand has become somewhat presidential, whereas it's now, rather than necessarily party politics, it's more personality politics. It's the same thing with head coaching roles for the All Blacks, like it or not, if we, we're going to have to have personalities and strong personalities in that role from here on in. Ricky Stewart is um, is a, certainly a strong personality. Uh, when you've been fined over $120,000 in your career for what you say in press conferences, you'd think that what you say in press conferences would be something that you go, I'm not, I'm not throwing money away like that. To come out and have a crack at uh, James Salmon like that, um, he's, he's apologised and it's wrong, but it goes back to like when, it, when his his kid was playing with this guy, uh, and there was a drama back when they were twelve year olds, and he, he hasn't let it go. He's honestly one of the angriest men uh, I've ever met. But tell you what, is anyone talking about how um, his team got dominated by the Panthers after they uh, after they you know said they they're ready for an ambush? No one's talking about it. It's part of he he sacrifices money, put pressure on himself to take that pressure off the team, and that's the uh, the type of coach he is. It brings success sometimes. He has players who will die for him, and other players who can't stand him because he's a lunatic. And that's he weeds those people out, and he gets the team that that are there, and he achieve he achieve results. So I, I think that, uh, first of all, a, a, a gutless thing to do to attack a, somebody um, at that level um, in a press conference. It, it was too far. He's going to get fined again, and he's already admitted as much. He's in the wrong. But, you know, it's you can't... I'll take a coach with that level of passion, prepared to back his players to the hilt, uh, but also prepared to tell his players when they're um, not stepping up to. But um, I don't, we could do without um, the blame game. But um, as far as the results go, let me put it this way. It's safer to walk around this week in a Warriors jersey than an All Blacks one. So Warriors fans can feel a little bit more comfortable this week because they're not the ones who get to cop the same level of grief. Uh, and it's a very strange world to live in. The, the Warriors are under-delivering on a, on a large scale, but they are, they, again, a team that the results are showing the team that they have right now, the team that Nathan Brown built, is capable of producing these results. That's what it is. There's, there's reinforcements coming next year. There's a new coach with a new ideology. Stacey Jones is a incredible rugby league man and an incredible rugby league brain, but he is not a head coach. He knows that. He doesn't want to be head coach. Uh, so he's not going to turn this team around. He's, he's doing his best to make sure they learn lessons this season. And that's the, the simple truth of where the Warriors are. They are a good football team who needs to become a really good football team, and they're only going to get there by uh, missteps and still trying their guts out. Jamie, we're short on time. Anything you'd like to add on this, especially the Warriors, rather than the kick in the genitals and the weak gutted well, dog? Well, I, I did want to bring up the, the, the only... I've only had the pleasure of um, having one interaction with Ricky Stewart, and that was after a, uh, a Warriors game uh, at Mount Smart, and it was the most intense, angriest um, press conference uh, I've ever been in. Um, and his team, yeah. had, and his team had won, his team had won by... Had won. <laughs> um, uh, so, in hindsight, it was a, 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 great, a great experience. Um, really learned a lot. The only scary, the only other scarier man than him I've ever seen in a press conference room was, was Wayne Bennett. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting that Sam uh, conflated the Warriors with the All Blacks right now. As soon as um, you start hearing stuff like it's our year about the All Blacks, 
then we've got a real, real problem. Oh, bless. Hey, Jamie, great to chat to you, mate. Uh, you take it easy. Thanks for your time. Cheers, boys. And uh, Sam, you too, mate. Head, head back. Get get on your phone to your contacts at the NRL and please explain to me why the guy who actually kicked the guy in the genitals is only going to get fined a thousand bucks. That doesn't seem right to me. Well, it's the NRL. If they had if they had common sense rules, you'd have, have to rename it. Yeah, that's a fair point. Fair point. Good to hear your voice, Sam. Take it easy. Cheers, boys. Uh, Sam Ackerman and uh, Jamie Waller. Fairly robust uh, panel you may want to discuss. It's 14 minutes away from 11. Uh, lines are open 0800 We are seriously backed up on text messages. I'll try and get through to those. But if you want to get your point across, I always encourage you to pick up um, and give us a call. And if you don't take a breath, I'll let you talk for five, six minutes uninterrupted like we did with, um, I've forgotten his name, what a, Joe. Terrible bloke I am, forgetting people's names just like that. Um, luckily, Logan's got his fingers. Uh, all over this. 13 and a half minutes away from 11. Uh, you are with SENZ. Uh, Daniel McCarty in the chair for Ian Smith. Love to hear your thoughts on the weekend of sport. My name is Daniel McCarty in for Ian Smith today. Uh, just a reminder as we uh, take a bit of a stock take of what we've done so far, if you're just tuning in for the very first time, uh, go check out our social media um, accounts if you want to catch up with all of the things you have missed, including our panel with Jamie Wall and uh, Sam Ackerman, which is just uh, wrapped up. In the last hour, we were really lucky to catch up with Sophie Devine not long after the White Ferns claimed bronze at the uh, Commonwealth Games, the first time cricket, women's cricket has been at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, you'll hear from Sophie Devine. We also caught up with Gamble Burns, uh, the editor of the Rugby News, for a long sort of chat on uh, the states of the All Blacks following that test against South Africa. So if you missed all the action from uh, earlier this morning, check out our social media. They're all up um, and uh, ready for your uh, listening at uh, a time that suits you. Uh, we've got some racing coming up after this break. It is uh, seven and a half away from 11. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Let's get an update. My time management skills still useless. Louis Herman Watts knows all about that. You've got a very short amount of time. Go, what have you got for us? Yeah, sure, mate. Um, look, Rumakaka was fantastic in the weekend up at the uh, Winterless North, as they call it. Uh, a fantastic race to see. Imperatriz beat Dragon Leap, which was huge from back in the field, and the race for the Nice Horses up there. So we'll see where they, those two go. I think they've both got Group 1 ambitions, and rightly so. Then down in Rickerton over the weekend at Christchurch, first day of the Grand National Carnival. And Kevin Myers, well, he came to the floor and he was on fire. Now, he'll be back on Wednesday um, with a strong hand to play in the 132nd Grand National Hurdles for $100,000. He has one, two, three, four, five in the noms there, Kevin Myers. So he could dominate this carnival down there this time around. Daniel, there you go. Bang. Done. Brilliant. Excellent. Fantastic. Paul Moati from the TAB joins us. He's been a busy boy. All, all punters out there have had a busy weekend. There's so much sport. I'm, I'm loving the triple jump right now. Paul, what have you guys got for us right now? Uh, well, we've opened up the odds on the uh, second test match between South Africa and the All Blacks. And this is the biggest price the All Blacks have ever opened at um, since we started sports betting back in 1996. They are $2.70, the All Blacks, to win uh, the test match next weekend. South Africans, $1.47, uh, early money. It's not good news for the All Blacks. Uh, already taken a $1,000 bet on the South Africans at $1.47.
to win that second test match against the All Blacks. So 270 on the All Blacks opening up against South Africa at $1.47. Uh, also, if you follow the golf, uh, the young Korean Joo Hyung Kim looks like he's just picked up the uh, Wyndham Championship. Uh, and you could have got him at the beginning of the tournament or around $101, uh, Joo Hyung Kim. Uh, and well, he started I did it, the Paul. tournament. With, <laughs> well, well, you, you probably wouldn't have wanted. I did it. You wouldn't, I did you it. wouldn't have wanted to because he, he actually started the tournament with a quadruple bogey, uh, and is still uh, one with ease. So yeah. nice little hey, clip there for the. Uh, hey, Paul, Greek. we're going to get off to the news. Great, great info there. The, the highest ever price for the All Blacks starting a test since the TAV started sports betting. Here's Aroha with the news. Ball play's gone. They run a decoy here and off the back of it, yes. Kangaroos, ears are twitching today because Latrell Mitchell just pours through a hole. The Rabbitohs were far too good for the Warriors here on the Sunshine Coast today. Another two points in their back pocket. They've beaten the Warriors 48 points to 10. Yeah, not uh, pleasant uh, listening there, I'm sure, for Warriors fans uh, reminiscing about the 48 points to 10 loss uh, they suffered at the hands of the Rabbitohs on Saturday in round number 21 of the uh, NRL, the Townsville Premiership, as the uh, Rabbitohs ran in just eight tries, eight tries, I think seven of them in 43 minutes. Um, that's not flash now, is it? Uh, just two tries to, to the Warriors, 48 points to 10, the final score. Uh, the Warriors in 14th position as a result, um, and uh, quite alarming when you look at points conceded. 561, no side has conceded more points in the NRL to date so far this season, uh, while their attack um, also in the lower third. Um, understandably, that is why they are sitting in 14th position. Um, a good one for the Rabbit O sees them climb the ladder to six points, uh, sorry, to six position, I should say. As far as uh, all the games uh, throughout the round, if you're unaware, I can uh, go through. All kicked off on Thursday night with the Roosters, 34-16 over the Broncos. Uh, the Storm, too good for the Titans, 32 points to 14. Uh, the uh, Eels beat the Seagulls, 36 points to 20. More pressure on the Seagulls as they fight for uh, playoff uh, footy for them. As mentioned, the Rabbitohs, 48-10 over the Warriors. Uh, the Panthers, 26 points to 6. Big winners over the Raiders. Most of the talk on that game is what Ricky Stewart's after. Uh, our next guest, uh, when we get through to him, we'll touch on that. Andrew Voss is not too far away. The remainder of the game saw the Sharks beat the Dragons by 24 points to 18. Uh, the Cowboys, 28-14 winners over the Bulldogs and the Knights. Uh, scrape past the uh, West Tigers by 14 points to 10 uh, in the game that's uh, wrapped up the round. Uh, let's look at the ladder. The uh, Panthers on top, uh, continuing to... Right, very high. Six-point buffer they have on the Cowboys who are in second on 32 points. 38 to the Panthers, 32 to the Cowboys. Sharks in third on 30. 28 points apiece for the Storm and the Eels. The Rabbits and the Broncos on 26. And the Roosters holding on to the eighth and final playoff position. Just two points ahead of uh, Ricky Stewart's Raiders side who are on uh, 22. The Seagulls and the Dragons now um, probably starting to feel the heat. Uh, they are four points or two wins behind. Um, the Roosters in eighth place. There is a look at the NRL results and the implication on the ladder. It is time for a comprehensive uh, recap of the weekend's action. 
and we are thrilled to be joined. He's a regular contributor on a Monday. You know who he is. Mr. Andrew Vossa joins us here on SENZ. Andrew, great to hear your voice again. It's been a long time since we've chatted. Hope you had a good weekend. Be careful. We're a little bit delicate in New Zealand uh, this Monday morning. Oh, yeah, I can appreciate that. Well, maybe bask in the glory of gold at the Commonwealth Games. Both Australia and New Zealand have had successful campaigns there. But, gee, in the football codes, there's so much to talk about. I mean, we're... Like, I've just come off three hours on air here and it felt like we are on air for 15 minutes. It just flew by. So much <laughs> discussion. Um, you know, <laughs> and the Warriors got to run as well. The All Blacks got to run. But, of course, the Ricky Stewart story, um, two of our, um, our, our staff, if you like, Cameron Smith and Brandy Alexander, having to uh, air their differences after the week. Yeah, where, where do you want to start? Do you, am I allowed to mention the All Blacks? Oh, no, you have and, you already, and you're allowed to, of course, Fossey. I, I, I'm strong enough to cope with it. I'd like to know, what, what's wrong with weak gutted dogs? Like, is this a, is this a saying say, in Australia? I, I've never heard this term nah, phrase in my life. I'm with you. Never heard it before. Um, look, let's go there then on that. And I will say that... Um, 80% of the content on our program today from listeners was buying into this one. It's a really, it's, well, it's a staggering situation, first of all, that it was said. You just went, what the, you know, when it, when it came out, that there is time and place. And now there has to be consequences. We are talking about history between, as we understand it, the Stewart family and Jamin Salmon going back 10 years to when he was a 12-year-old. Now, I don't think an NRL press conference is the right place to be coming out post-game about whatever happened there and firing shots. So so it's different from refereeing criticism. That's why I don't think a fine sort of can be it here. I mean, there has to be consequences. And no matter how serious what happened as a 12-year-old 10 years ago, um, Ricky Stewart in his capacity as NRL coach must top the wrath of the, the NRL. I'm surprised the Canberra Raiders haven't said something. Like, I would have thought the Raiders could straight away say, while we support our coach, um, we distance ourselves from his comments because it's got nothing to do with the Canberra Raiders club, whatever personal difference Ricky Stewart has with Jamin Salmon. The Jamin Salmon, and I said respectfully on air today, he's basically a nobody, really, in rugby league terms. Jamin Salmon could walk into your house. You wouldn't know who Jamin Salmon was. He's played 40 NRL games. Um, this was his first time in the starting side on the weekend. The incident was on the very minor scale that he's been fined for, the lashing out of the boot. Suddenly he's put forward, and forevermore, if you Google search his name, up will come the expression used by Ricky Stewart in relation to his personality and his character. Now, whatever he did as a 12-year-old, if Ricky's had nothing to do with this young man for the last 10 years, well, then how can you call him that now? <laughs> so... You know, there, there might even be civil action. I, I don't know. I don't know how to handle it. It's, it's weird. We've never it's had a weird, story like this it? to deal with. We've, well, we've never it's had so str- like It's this. so strange. It's so strange to bring yeah. up what someone was like as a 12-year-old. Obviously, I don't know how you feel about yourself as a 12-year-old. I wasn't a particularly great person, but I'd, I'd like to think today I'm not being judged for being a 12-year-old, if you know what I mean. I was probably I was probably a rat bag. <laughs> it's probably you know, part, parts of what I did as a rat bag. Now, again... Obviously, there is history, but the rugby league, its boundaries are matters rugby league, and it cannot have its people. And the Canberra Raiders, I wouldn't think, would like to think they have their coach saying these sorts of things about rival players. So, therefore, there has to be action different from the run-of-mill fine. And that is why, you know, I think the NRL has pushed to a point, and it was coming anyway on coaches that have multiple fines. They can't just keep fining coaches. 
at some point suspensions will come into it. So it'll come as no surprise to me if Ricky Stewart is suspended. But I would have thought that the Canberra Raiders would take a position on this one. And there's been nothing out of the Raiders. I, I, I thought they would have quickly got on the front foot yesterday, but they haven't. That surprises me as well. The whole thing has been a, a, an extraordinary story. Um, but, I, but I do say that when the dust settles here, the damage to Jamin Salmon will be the greatest because you cannot eradicate this from, as I said on, on radio this morning, somewhere down the track, 20 years' time, Jamin Salmon may have a son or daughter and they Google their dad's name and up will come this story, low-gutted dog. I mean, it's, 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 it's not good. It's not the place, rugby league, and, and if this sort of laundry need to be aired, it's certainly not a media conference post-game at a game of football. Yeah, to reflect on what he was as a you know pre-teen years is, is very strange. So if he if he was talking specifically about the act conducted on the field, you you wouldn't have as much issue mm. with it because he's kicked a guy on the genitals. I will agree with jo- um, Ricky Stewart that ain't on, but that is not on. Um, what's the but sanction? It wasn't here? A vicious lash. The, no, up... I'm saying it wasn't though. I'm saying the incident was on the on the absolute minor scale of last year, and and it, I don't even think. It, it, it was a tackle that ended up with Jamin Salmon. Like, I was calling the game. It's a tackle that ended up with Jamin Salmon's ankle and foot through the legs, up around the crotch of the defender. And in then trying to release from there, there's obviously been contact with the you-know-what, the orchestra stores. But then with the other foot, he flashed, and it's Clance Tom Starling on the face. And that is where I think the charge came. I, I, you know, I see. But it's on the very minor scale when I think of other players who've lashed out over the years with boots and... I probably think famously back to the grand final of 97 where Adam McDougall got Jeff Toovey in the face and, and he, you know, blood pouring out of his head. I mean, that's that's a major lashing out of a boot. I think that, you know, Jamin Sammons, if we're just talking about a football matter, a matter on field, I thought it was very minor. Got you. Got yes. Sort of, you know, high collision sport, body parts do move, and it, it was just one of those yeah. things. That the, the guy not should not be hung, drawn and quartered uh, over something like this. No, and he got the fine. And, and that's and that's all it deserves. It's not it's not a suspension yeah. category offence for mine. Got you. Uh, guess what? We haven't talked well, about the yeah. fact that the Raiders got tanked, didn't they? So maybe Ricky well, Stewart yeah, look, got what he was what would it, what he was after. Look, there's still potentially. Look, you look at the draw. The Raiders are a chance of winning their last four games, and that will get them to 30 points. But the fact is they are now out of the eight, so their destiny is out of their hands. All they can do now is try and win those last four. They started the game like a house on fire, fantastic. Papalihi and uh, Tarpani, fantastic. Took four hit-ups in the first set between them. Uh, Score the first try um, inside the, the first 10 minutes, but then never score again. In fact, I thought the Raiders' attack was incredibly poor the other night, but perhaps... That get tempered with the fact that Penrith's defence is so damn good, and you know it'll be you know, Penrith will win this comp again on the back of great defence more so than any other feature. They are just an outstanding defending side, and even when they were reduced to twelve men, uh, their defence was still very very good. So Penrith just too good for the Raiders, but Raiders might be too good for the opposition that they're facing over the next month. I'm not writing off the Raiders, still a hope, but obviously the teams in front of them, the likes of the Broncos and the Roosters, the Rabbitohs, have a say on whether. You know, the Raiders get a crack at making the finals. Um, but still, a, a pretty disappointing performance given at home. So much to play for against a Penrith side without clearing Luai and Kikau. Canberra missed an opportun- uh, opportunity there. 
Andrew Voss is with us here on SENZ as we reflect on the weekend that has been. Uh, Voss, you know you, you know the run-in far better than I, uh, the implications each game will have. Uh, so as far as the playoff run is concerned, uh, where are we at? How, how many are realistic? Is it is it just one on the outside of the top eight who has a chance, or is it three? Is it more? How, how do you feel? Yeah, well, well, te- well teams like the Rabbitohs, they, they do play... Um, they do play... They have a draw where they play Parramatta, they play the Panthers, they then play the Cowboys, they then play the Roosters. Now, that is a dangerous draw. On the other hand, what if they come through winning those games? They'll emerge as maybe second favourite to win the comp. You know, they'll have, they'll have tremendous momentum. So, for a team like South Sydney, the, the semi-finals start this weekend. Um, Parramatta the same, pretty tough draw. Um, I'm not even saying that the Bulldogs is a lot for them in round 23. Bulldogs are a much improved side, but around that they play the Rabbitohs, they play the Broncos, they play the Storm. So Parramatta and South Sydney, uh, Eel City on 28 points, Rabbitohs 26, both two very tough draws. And are the Broncos across the line, given that their form has dropped away, and among the teams the Broncos play in the next few weeks, they run into the Storm and they, they run into the Eels. So I'm not saying the Broncos are across the line yet. That's why the Raiders are still a chance. You know, a few teams ahead of them could slip up. So there's the draw. Now, what a shame we're not talking about the Warriors' draw in the run home. Um, <laughs> if I may change the tune, because if the Warriors turn up like their first half the other day, and I don't say this lightly, and you know I have a soft spot for the Warriors, and I know Stacey Jones, you only had to look at his face, not listen to his words the other day, how bitterly disappointed he was. It is pointless the Warriors turning up for their last four matches. Um, the first yes. half performance was on the, on, the, on the putrid side, to be honest. You know, yeah. Individually, players trying, but as a team, they're just not working with each other. They're just you know, doing things on their own, and that ain't going to cut it. And, and 36-6 was an embarrassing scoreline at half-time. And, and, and then for the, whole, the ultimate embarrassment was the Latrell Mitchell try. You, know, you, you weren't watching the NRL when that was scored. So... I, I do hope the Warriors find something. Look, I know the circumstances, and Stacey said living out of a suitcase and all the rest, but look, I hope the Warriors find something um, when they play the Bulldogs, they play the Cowboys, they then play the Panthers, and their last game for the season will be against the Titans. So I do hope they find something. At the very least, be a lot more competitive than they were on the weekend. Were there any positives from, from that last Warriors no. game? Because you've touched on what I was no. going to raise. Six strikes conceded in 35, point, yeah. uh, in 35 minutes. Yeah. It's just... It, it's hard well, not it was, to sound it, overly negative, Fossey. Mm, well, it's 48 It's forty-eight uh, through 56 minutes, isn't it? South don't score in the last 24 yeah. minutes. Um, I, 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 I will say this, a little observation. There was a lot of shots of the Rabbitohs coaches box and seeing laughing and smiling. I, I don't know... I, I, I know they're having a good time of it, and the scoreline was big, but you probably you probably keep the cards a little close to the chest. I, I, I think <laughs> some prospective opponents of the Rabbitohs this week might be saying, well, have a look at them. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, no. I, have I got a positive? No, I don't. No, I, and, I'm, and I, again, I don't say it lightly. I don't have a positive there. If I was to you know, come out and say I saw something, but I, no, I didn't. I saw individuals trying. I did not see a team collectively working as a team. No. Well, I have a positive. They don't have to play on Thursday night. They play on Friday. But how good is Thursday night going to be? Panthers, Storm, bring it on for me, Mr. Voss. How important yeah, are no, these absolutely. games so close to yeah. the playoffs when theoretically they could meet again in, in just a few yeah. weeks' time? Well, 
the big names out. Like, you know, you take away the playmakers and then you see the form of Cameron Smith. Now, I don't think Melbourne were that good against the Titans, to be honest. You take Cameron Munster out of that game and, you know, Titans' chance of winning, to be honest. So I don't think Melbourne are back. But Craig Bellamy, at least, is feeling a little better about things than he was a fortnight ago when they'd lost four straight. They have one back-to-back, but they're not back. So Penrith, without Cleary, without Luai, um, can they get the job done against Melbourne? Cameron Munster, he's, he's the whole box and dice. If Cameron Munster has, you know, another five-star game, look out. Melbourne might just, you know, um, knock over the Panthers. But I think it boils down to the defence of the two sides. Penrith still defending well, proven against Canberra the other night. Melbourne are going to have to improve on what they've done the last fortnight to even beat the understrength Panthers, in my opinion. That's my early shout on Thursday night's big game. All right, Andrew Voss, get us out on this one. Can you name every string, single gold medalist Australia has had at the Commonwealth Games in 2022? You guys are greedy SOBs, aren't you? Oh, come on. Uh, well, look, um, no, I can't. Uh, but what I will say is that the two team performances today, the netball and the cricket, two sports that New Zealand pride itself on as well. Um, God, look, the Australian women's cricket team is just a cut above. I mean, you could put up... Oh, they're amazing. They're, they're, amazing. they're the best. They are the best sporting team out of Australia at the moment, male or to be honest, the Australian women's cricket team. And the netball was a bit, I, I'll say this, a bit more released than ecstasy because losing yeah. the pool game to Jamaica had everyone just a little worried. So to come back, it was a relief to win the gold medal. But there's bragging rights. Commonwealth champions Australia uh, in both the cricket and the netball and, and some other things as well. Like, you know, do you want me to try? No, I couldn't. I couldn't. All I know is that there's great stories <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. Well, it's the same with yours. I mean, there's great stories. There's sport, the, the lesser sports that suddenly get profiled at games, like lawn bowls. There's a, uh, Ellen Ryan, who won um, golf for Australia a couple of times. She's a firefighter at a Goulburn, which is between Sydney and Canberra. Um, yeah, great story. You know, full-time firefighter um, that plays lawn bowls on the side, and she's only 25. Um, so, you know, stories like that warm the heart. And our 1,500-metre gold medalist, Ollie Hoare, uh, who had his grandfather pass away just before the Games, his biggest supporter, to win gold. That was a big moment. So there's been lots of good moments. Feel good um, and, and bring on the Olympics in Paris next time around. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, now. indeed. Fossi, I know you've had a busy weekend, busy morning. Thanks for, for joining us as always on a Monday. Go go rest up, mate. And we'll uh, catch no up with you No problem. Um, good luck to the All Blacks. I don't know when you win again. I don't know. <laughs> oh, we've got to, we play Australia this year. You know, that's that, that's that's when we tend to tend to get things right. We're coming don't we? to get you. We're coming to get you. Andrew Voss, of course, out of SEN, uh, fine rugby league commentator, of course, good friend of SENZ here in New Zealand. We appreciate his uh, time on Monday. Yeah, I think he was being nice, wasn't he, Logan? I think he was being nice to us there. I think he could have shafted us and Vossi, uh, shanked us. Vossi, the shower. <laughs> the thing with Vossi here, uh, McCarty, is that, yes, he has a very soft spot for the Warriors, as he uh, often says. He loves Sean Johnson, but not seen a lot, a lot of positives there, if any, which, um, yeah, not hard to say there. But the other thing with Voss, he will always take that quick jab, especially right towards the end. He likes to leave a parting shot with Smithy. Uh, if there's anything to do with New Zealand and Australia, you know he's going to get in there. Long may that continue, I say. Uh, thanks to Andrew Voss. We are now 21 minutes after 11 o'clock. I don't know if Warriors fans want to litigate what happened over the weekend. It's a, to borrow a Steve Hansenism, it's one, it's, you flush the dunny and move on, don't you? Um, you know, 
you speak to them day in, day out. Where, where is the mindset, Logan, of the Warriors fan base at the moment? It's literally like this. Let's just, let's just. It's uh, it basically, let's yeah, let's get end the year. Let's get home. Yeah. Well, yeah. they, they do play home, but then there's the whole thing that they are doing $10 tickets for the Bulldogs, and I'm seeing people now say, make it $5. That's how bad <laughs> it is. It bucks so bad. Uh, to, to, to use another um, line from a, a commentator, David David Choate, fine football commentator, used to say, we need to lance it like a boil. Get this one over and done with. That's quite a mental picture. Um, thank you, uh, Choti, but uh, it does strike me as such. Only four games to go. Always look on the bright side of life. Granted, as uh, Andrew Voss did point out, um, it's quite a mixed run home uh, if you are the Warriors. All starting Friday night against uh, the Bulldogs, uh, the 12th placed Bulldogs. Uh, then they take on the second placed Cowboys before taking on the top of the table Panthers. That will be fun. Um, although they get to uh, finish the season against the Titans, who are actually below them on the ladder. That is all still to come. Still to come on this program. I think we like to stump a host, make them look appalling as far as general knowledge is concerned. Stump at Smithy can't be too far away. Stay with us at 23 minutes after 11 o'clock. Smithy's Middle Tally Update. Give your tech the winning edge of this Commonwealth Games with the experts at Noel Leeming. It's time for a Commonwealth Games uh, medal update. As an aside, I'm, I'm watching a replay of the 10,000 metre walk. They do, they do 400 metres every minute 30. Logan, could you run 400 metres in a minute 30, let alone walk it? Probably not. <laughs> no. Yellow cards flying. It's fantastic viewing the walking. Anyway, the medal table as it stands at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England. On top, our dear friends, Hope Andrew Voss is still on the line, our dearest friends, our, our wonderful cousins from across the Tasman, Australia sitting proudly on top of the Commonwealth Games medal table standings. Congratulations to them. They've won 66 gold medals, 55 silvers, and 53 bronze. 174 Commonwealth Games medals so far for Australia. England in second, 55 golds, 59 silvers, 52 bronze, 166. They're the only two nations with uh, more than 100 medals. Sitting in third, oh, Canada on 26 gold medals, 31 silvers, 34 bronze, 91 medals. Uh, but to all my cousins listening in Canada, there's 38 million of you. Seriously? There's 38 million of you. How many have we got here? We've got about, we've got about 30,000 people live in New Zealand. It's going down all the time. There's about 12 of us. In fact, all of us got a medal. Everyone in New Zealand has got a medal, Canada. We're that small. Uh, 19 golds with an asterisk, of course. I hope there's I hope there's a chip. Hope there's an overturning of that triathlon. Disaster. That would take us to 20. It's a record haul for New Zealand of Commonwealth Games. 12 uh, silver and 17 bronze, 48, sitting proudly ahead of India. They've got more than 30,000 people in India. I'm sure they have. There you go. There is the very patriotic one-eyed. Commonwealth Games medal update here on SENZ. It's time for Aroha on the news. No Ian Smith, unfortunately, but we do have uh, Daniel McCarty, who's been holding himself at the uh, crease there behind the wickets with the gloves. Very well, my friend, I must say. Uh, we haven't had a stumping in a while. I will give you that. You've... Oh, it's bound to be today. It's bound to be today, I must admit. 
You do know if there's I, a stumping, that means a you huge... win. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, God. Yes. Okay. Um, so Smithy hasn't won for a while. That no. makes me feel a whole lot better. <laughs> that makes me feel a whole lot better. This is a wildly popular segment. I didn't even ask people to call in. The phone lines have gone absolutely mental. That's I don't it. know if they, they see this as a two-foot gimme putt normally playing some, uh, Smithy. I don't, I don't know, Smithy. Uh, I mean, at the moment, and under the uh, current run of form, perhaps, perhaps. But, hey, first up at the crease, we do have Mark from Christchurch. Come in, Mark. G'day, boys. Mark, how are you feeling? Good. Uh, yeah, not bad. Not bit, bad. You're just used to winning things down there. You're, you're used to winning things down there, right, Mark? So today is your day. Seize the opportunity. Carpe diem, all that. Good luck. Can't win, can't win a decent all-black coach yet, though. <laughs> no. But hey, you might start. Oh, I'm sure he'll make. I'm sure he'll make a very good assistant <laughs> to Joe Schmidt. Yeah. Oof. I don't think that's what the people of uh, Christchurch want to hear today, McCarty. But, Mark, what you are playing for is a $50 TAB bonus bet. The topics today for you to choose from are cricket, boxing, and golf. Uh, go boxing. All right. Or the pugilist specialist. I'll have to say, uh, Brian's not on today. normally manning the phones. He came up with these boxing questions. Uh, good luck to you because I wouldn't get them. <laughs> he is a tough customer, is that, Brian? All right, first question. The great Muhammad Ali ended his pro career with 56 wins and five losses. His final pro bout was in 1981, which he lost. Who was the man who beat the GOAT? Um... Linux laws. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to you, McCarty. Uh, unfortunately, I know this. Um, it's Trevor Burbeck, oh. isn't it? Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, correct. Just putting one of the out. saddest things you'll ever see is that fight. Just putting a, a mark out of his misery there. Yes, you are correct. Back in December 11th, 1981, Trevor Burbick won that one from the Hammers. Okay, next in line. Oh, this is, you're in for a treat here, McCarty. Ed. Sorry, Mark. Sorry, Mark. Ed. Just hang up the phone. That's right. Ed, you, Ed from Tolliga Bay. Come in. Hey, good morning, brother. How you doing, bro? Oh, my man. Full of energy. I love a type of man like that. How are you, mate? How was your weekend? <laughs> Oh, I was working, but it was all good. Well, maybe you can start the uh, start your week off in a winning way. We'll see how we go. Second question here for you guys. Iron Mike Tyson made his pro debut in 1985 at 18 years old. Hung up the gloves in 2005 at 38. Tyson had 50 wins in his pro career. How many losses did he have? Oh, boy. I don't know, but I'm just going to say four. One of the worst things... I have ever seen done on a cricket field. McCarty. Uh, it's more than four. Seven. One of the worst Seven. things I have oh! ever seen done on a cricket field. Minus one from that, it's six. Five ah! by knockout. One by, well, you know. You know why. Disqualification there. Well well, well, there was Buster Evander Holyfield twice. There was Lennox Lewis. And then after that, it gets a bit sort of... Hazy. My mind gets a bit foggy because who on earth was he fighting at the end? 
Ed, he was fighting you, wasn't he? You beat him. You beat Tyson, didn't you, Ed? <laughs> oh, 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 boy, uh, I wish. <laughs> a boy, Ed. All right, last question. You're still alive, mate. That $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. The last undisputed heavyweight champion, Lennox Lewis, fought 44 times, losing two and drawing one in his career. Who did he fight in his final pro bout? Oh, man, no, I don't know that one either, so I'm just going to say it was the tour, man. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, I do love David Tour. Not the correct answer, though. Over to you, McCarty. Like, I know he fought Tyson very late in his career. Was it? Was that, in oh, fact, wow. his last fight when he beat, when he beat Tyson? Well, I'll, I'll lock in oh, Tyson. One of the worst things no! I have ever seen done on a cricket Touch field. Let's go. Yes, it was Klitschko. Damn it! <laughs> Boy, I kick things now. Oh, bro, you gave that to me, bro. No, that's been the way. The question is, which it. Klitschko? I, I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> but there's, there's two of them. So v- it was pretty, pretty Vitali, good. Vitali, Vitali, back in uh, June 2003. Uh, so Ed, you do win the $50 wow. TV bet. By default, bro. Yeah, but hey, that was that counts. was tough. It was tough. I told you. Brian doesn't tough. make it easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hold the line, Ed, mate, and we'll get your details and get that out to you ASAP. No, me and in, my rage, in my rage, Ed, I've kicked out and kicked a chair. I think I've broken my foot. <laughs> really? <laughs> Bro, I, I was just washing the car. I've been washing the car talking to you. <laughs> Good, morning, Good on you, mate. You're very, very welcome, Ed. Um it was, it, was, it was my privilege to make myself look like a fool on national radio and uh, have you um, uh, come out victorious. That seems like a fair, fair, fair game to me. Have a great day. You too. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Oh, bro, that was nasty. It was like facing the Windies in the 80s. There was some whizzing past my nose. Uh, yeah. My hair behind my head. Yeah. I told you, there's no way I was going to get those questions. So you did well to at least get one. Well, I got one. Trevor Burbank end of Ali's career always makes me get almost emotional uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, what do we do now? I think we throw to an ad break. It's 20 minutes away from 12 o'clock. Stay with us. This is uh, SENZ. Congratulations, Ed. It's a victory. It doesn't matter how you get them. As long as you win, I tell you what, I, I'd take a win like that for the All Blacks next weekend with the South Africans you know, fall over one by one. Uh, happily, happily take that. Uh, back after this break, 20 away from 12. The opportunity for McLaughlin. Here he comes on the Chip Ganassi racer. Is he close enough? How big will he send it? Can he? He's too far back. You can still do it into turn 11 if you're close enough. He's not really thinking championship. He's thinking race win. Scott Dixon's the one that's got a benefit here from the points. The PNC back Honda. It was a Ganassi victory last year. Will it be a Ganassi victory this year? After having such an eventful start to the race, McLaughlin tries to drag race Dixon and can't do it. Scott Dixon wins the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. Holy smokes, God, I'm going to stand up. Holy smokes, indeed. What a gripping finish to this race that has just sort of wrapped up in the last few minutes. Uh, At the front, uh, Dixon half a second ahead of McLaughlin. Um, McLaughlin catching Dixon, though. Uh, Dixon holds on as Scotty McLaughlin tries to sweep around. I'm at the finish line in a drag race finish. Uh, congratulations to the two Kiwis, one and two. Alex uh, Palou finishing in third. My humble apologies um, to him. I've probably butchered his name, but I'm still reeling from the fact 
now that I got those boxing questions wrong. Do you know what makes it worse, Logan? Lennox Lewis' second to last fight was Mike Tyson. <laughs> second to last. You're, not his last. You're almost... And then after, after, so close but so far away. Yeah, you were um, almost And after the Lennox Lewis it. fight, Mike Tyson's career wrapped up with fights against luminaries like Clifford Etienne. Ever heard of him? No, but I love how much this is bunking you. <laughs> yeah. Danny Williams and Kevin McBride. He might be, he's not related to Danny McBride, the fine actor from East Bound and Down, but uh, no, Kevin McBride uh, ended Mike Tyson's career. I, uh, I will get over this by the next time I, I fill in for Smithy in about six months' time. Uh, double eight, double three, that is our Temper Bedpost text line. Uh, thanks so much for your contribution to the program today. I, I have been a little bit tardy getting to some of these messages, uh, and I know they're important to you by the length of most of them. Um, so I'll, I'll read just a, a handful here before we get to another break. It is 13 minutes away from 12 o'clock if you are interested. Uh, you can keep your messages rolling at double, uh, double eight, double three if you, you want to, to give your two cents. Uh, let's start off with this um, thesis. Uh, hi, guys. They need to start with the captain because the captain needs to lead from the front, and that should be Ardy. And Kane is way off the pace and not playing uh, well, and we won't win while he's there. And we need Geordie at number 12. Havili is not up to it. Um, as for the coach, how many uh, worse records by the AB's team is he going to break for that comment Foster made after the game? He should be sacked uh, alone, writes uh, Gary of uh, Wanganui. Um, pretty clear your picture there, Gary. Uh, Steve writes, Kia ora Dan, uh, despite the AB's loss, can't take the smile off my face after seeing uh, Monica Rovers win the Gallagher Shield, 49 long years, amazing turnaround in the Tunney Farm, managing to um, managing to use their first of hopefully many get-out-of-jail-free cards in round one of the in, uh, Bunnings NPC. Uh, Mark's quite straight to the point. He just describes uh, Forster as delusional. I don't know if Stu Forster's made a return uh, for Otago. Um, it's probably a typo. I'm guessing. I'm guessing you're saying Ian Foster there. Foster's delusional. A lot. You get lots of messages like this. Um, what is Foster smoking? Could I possibly get some? Unbelievable. We've had we've had a whole host of those. So if you're going to go with the jokes, mix them up. Don't be too predictable. Don't be too predictable. That's my advice. Uh, you know the Yarpies weren't that good, uh, Dan writes. No, not me from earlier in the show when I told you it's going to get harder in the high vault and South Africa will be better. I actually thought they were quite sloppy in the second half of South Africa. But Dan writes, you know the Yarpies weren't. Even that good, the AB struggled to score team tries and team in capitals, and the world has worked it out. Structure and rushing defence beats the All Blacks every time. We get to Tristan, who writes, NZR would be well and truly, NZR would have had well and truly conversations with Scott Robinson by now, if not before the recent Springbok test. They most certainly will have after that performance, I believe they would have given him the choice to step in after the South African League or after the Rugby Championship. I think Razor would prefer to start on a clean slate and take over before the Northern Tour. That will give him more time to get his ducks in order, pick his own squad, coaching staff and physios, etc. And that's something we highlighted with Campbell Burns. If you missed that interview just after 9 o'clock, check out our social media. When is a good time to make a change if you are going to make a change? You've got a couple of weeks between the South African series ending next weekend and a game in Christchurch, funnily enough, against Argentina. So you're not going to have a whole heap of time. You have a little bit more space at the end of the, uh, or before the Northern Tour. But there's a bit of slow up for grabs. 
if you sit and wait and wait, it, it, it may get worse. It'll be interesting to see wh what they do do in the coming weeks. And lastly, uh, as far as our temper repost text machine uh, messages uh, for this little segment, we'll go to Jared. Uh, good morning. What a weekend of sport. Love the Commonwealth Games. Some great result. Oh, that's right. The rugby was on. For God's sake, what's happened to the ABs? Triple exclamation point. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who's contributed to the show, especially those uh, who called in and who have also texted. There'll be plenty more reaction here on SENZ in 10 minutes' time. Uh, Midday Madness, not too far away with Staffy and crew. So if you are keen to pick up the phone and call, I do highly recommend it. Um, and I know the hosts do love it. We love uh, getting your contribution to the show. Um, we are coming up to nine minutes away from one o'clock, uh, 12 o'clock rather, nine minutes away from 12, back after this. Not quite, Daniel McCarty in the chair for Ian Smith, but uh, fear not, the show's about to finish, it's four minutes away from 12 o'clock, and that means, no, Mark Stafford is not here, as I said uh, prior to the ads. Sam Hewitt's uh, filling in for Mark Stafford, who was away during an all-black season in Annis Horribles. Oh, that's a, that's a rookie error from Stafford, isn't it? Savvy, but super yeah. subs in action today, Daniel. Uh, you, you in yeah. the mornings, me in the afternoons. They've uh, they've rung in the changes. <laughs> rung in the changes. <laughs> All black inspired, maybe exactly. for the next Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Steph has. What are you going to discuss? What are you going to discuss today, mate? Wow. Apparently, there's a rugby game on Sunday morning, um, so we might talk a little bit of that. Um, that'll dominate our first few hours, I think. Uh, midday madness, it might be midday till two madness. We'll see how we go with that. So um, we're going to dive into it. We've got um, plenty of um, audio and interviews to play out, which uh, which I'm keen to get people's thoughts on. And then uh, we'll, we'll shift a little bit, going to talk some NRL, plenty of go uh, good games on over the weekend. And then, of course, Ricky Stewart, um, the headline that keeps on giving. I think I read somewhere he's the most fined coach in the NRL, $150,000 in fines or something like that. Over his uh, over his tenure, so he's probably due for another one. And how much? One hundred and fifty grand over his career in fines. Right. Yeah. This is such a weird story, isn't it? Very bizarre. Like bring it, Very bringing bizarre. up what someone was like as a kid. It's probably there's so many elements to it. What's what did even, he do? Did he steal his Rothmans or something, or <laughs> steal his lollies? I don't know. What's going well, on? What oh. can a do? What can a kid do at twelve that makes you, when they're an adult? Still think of them poorly as a twelve-year-old. Well, I, I thought I, I need to know the background. There, I, I did. I did read a story that said um, he had reduced Ricky Stewart's son to tears. So whether that was I know verbal or physical, but something happened between Ricky's son and Jermaine, and then Ricky. All oh, right. So every twelve-year-old bully out there, we've got to treat with disdain when they're adults. Well, then Ricky. So, so we need to treat people based on when they're at their worst, mm. when they're 12. Oh, look, I did a lot of bad Mate. things between 12 and 18, Daniel, uh, that I would definitely be in trouble for if they got brought up today. Uh, not when I was 12, but this more, more so the 18. This is such a smoke screen. Your team sucked over the exactly. weekend, Ricky. You got slapped. Exactly. And you've come out and said something stupid again to deflect, and it's going to bite you on the backside. Frustrating game. They probably should have won it, um, given that the Panthers were miss missing three of their key players. Joseph Tarpany goes down early. Just frustration. That's all it was. And he usually does. Yeah. He usually vents at referees or whatever. It just so happens that there was that incident later in the game, and he remembered that incident 12 years ago. It's, it's very bizarre. And also, um, as I was talking to um, a guy yesterday, no coach has ever been disciplined for talking personally about another it's, it's just such an unprecedented moment for the nrl um and if they ban him that'll be historic as well because no coach has ever been banned yeah which bizarrely i also think is an overreaction mm. to what he said here 
So Sam Hewitt, who was a real jerk as an 11-year-old, uh, will join us um, after 12 o'clock, where he's a fine human being these days. I hope See, I've... I can differentiate when you were an absolute plonker back in the day, the nice guy you I, are now. I hope I've learnt my lesson over the years. I do really hope so. But no, we're going to talk some, you know, we also talk uh, Yvonne Rillering on the Silver Ferns. Interesting one with them, because I think the bronze medal has sort of um, quelled a little bit of the disappointment um, of the Com Games campaign. Um, sure, people might not have thought they were going to win a gold, um, but you know, they, they might have thought they were going to do a little bit better. So I think the bronze has just um, tempered that a little bit. So we're going to talk to Yvonne Willering about it. And then uh, my favourite chat of the day, Riley Horhipper from County's Monaco with a last-second drop goal to beat Otago on Saturday evening. Everyone loves a drop goal, especially New Zealanders. You know that, Sam. <laughs> Thanks so much, mate. Have a great show. Really look forward to listening on the way home after 12 o'clock, midday madness, starting off things. Stay with us here on SCNZ. Sam Hewitt is with you. Uh, my huge thanks to Logan uh, for steering us through this morning. Um, have a great afternoon, team. Take it easy. We'll catch you some other time. I think Aroha is here with the news very, very shortly. Take care. Bye-bye. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.